have a hundred clients who have gone from making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars a year to mid six figures quickly because mm. I just teach them what I know and I'm not your friend. I'm your mm. coach. And so I'm going to teach you how to make money. I'm mm. not here to work through your psychological problems. I'm here to show you how to make money. David Chance presents to you the morning meetup. Do you have an idea you need to get off the ground? Are you a small business owner looking to earn supplemental income or replace your current income? Come and join the most amazing mentorship and accountability group for entrepreneurs live with David Shands himself. That's right. This is not pre-recorded and it's not a replay. This is live every morning, Monday through Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern. In addition to the live calls, you also receive a weekly individual Q&A call, a private Facebook community, access to all call replays and access to David's list of resources and contacts you need to be in an environment of success so head over to themorningmeetup.com today for your one dollar seven day trial that's right just one dollar for seven days of access to the morning meetup take massive action towards manifesting your dreams today themorningmeetup.com and three two one you're listening to the Real Social Proof Podcast with Mr. Sleepers for Suckers himself, David Shand. Let's get it. Well, look, welcome to another edition of the Social Proof Podcast where we find dope people who built stuff. And uh, they not only build it, but can actually teach people how they built what they built. We have real social proof, not just like social media. Yeah, that's coaches. different. It's a different. It's different. It's a different. Yo, experience. you know, you can you can buy a course. Mm-hmm. And then, like, kind of rebrand it and teach other people what you learned in the course. You don't even have to have any evidence of success. Yeah, that's nowadays. theory. That's called theory teaching. And so you just tell mm. them to go out there and see what works. And I right. always tell them when they come to me, because they always say, well, I paid this person that, and that person that's in my face is always blank stare. I'm <laughs> like, well, you didn't investigate them before you spent your money with them? Exactly. Yeah, I'm like, what's their number? Exactly. Like, how much have they sold? How much have they done? What's their experience? Don't tell me they've been licensed for 18 years. I have, I have people I know have been licensed for 18 years have only closed two transactions. Mm. So don't tell me about your time. Tell me about your experience in the business, your volume, your production. What type of clients are you used to dealing with? Exactly. You know, can you negotiate a deal not based on just money, but the terms of for the sure. deal. And all of those things matter in buying real estate. For sure. Like I tell clients, let's not, like we're not going to haggle over $5,000. Mm. Let's haggle with the lender yeah. on your interest rate because that's 30 years. Mm. That's the real number. All right. So we have an amazing, amazing guest here. Um, I actually met you first when you were on tour speaking with E.T. Oh, that's right. That's where yeah. we met. That's where we met. Yeah, yeah. Okay. How, did, how did that come? Well, go, first off, introduce yourself because I got a million questions for you. <laughs> okay. Well, my name is Maya Sly and I am a serial entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the best way to describe me. I work in the beauty space. I've been in the beauty business for 20 years. I'm a licensed real estate broker. I've been in the real estate business. I've been licensed as a agent for 19 years, a broker for 17 years, mm. but I'm just, I'm much more than a license or a title. My job, I think what God put me here for is to be the change that I want to see is don't complain about it. Just go do it. Yeah. yeah roll up your sleeves and figure it out. You would be the epitome of a, um, of a serial entrepreneur, but typically when you think of a serial entrepreneur, you think of somebody that starts stuff, stop, start, stop, stop, like, oh, I'm just always trying something. Right. But you went big in all them joints, though. Well, you know, what a lot of people never understand about my business, I'm in the beauty business. I'm from the beauty business. I was born in Florida, 
raised in Panama City, Florida, but I grew up in a salon. I was raised mm. by my uncle who was loud, proud, gay, mm. raving the flag before there was a flag. Right. And so I grew up in the salon space and I never thought I would do hair for a living. I have a degree in finance and minor math. Mm. Like never thought I would. I was like, I'm oh, not wow. about to be bothered with that right. because I worked in the space with my uncle. But um, it's kind of one of those things that I always say we plan and God laughs. Like everything <laughs> you think is like, oh, this is the worst thing ever. Right. These are teachable moments. And for me, um, my uncle was really my only true light. Like I knew that I could get out of that town and make something of myself just because he believed in me. Like yeah. he literally told me I could do anything. And if someone tells you that enough, yeah. like you kind of start to believe sure. it. Like sure. I mean, my uncle would be like, oh, oh you about to kill it today. I'm like, I mean, I'm just all right. He was like, you all right. Like, you know, what I would be like, well, I guess I am. Right. <laughs> and like he made me feel that way. And it is one of those things that, I can't impress upon people enough. It's like the good things and the bad things. If you tell someone something good enough, mm -hmm. they'll believe in themselves. And if you pick them apart enough, they won't have the confidence to go out and do anything. Mm. So he made me believe in myself in a way that really was like, it was, it was unbelievable. Like yeah. I truly thought that, I mean, I could do whatever I wanted to do. Like yeah. I was like, I didn't believe in authority. Like, like if an adult told me something, I would debate them. I would come back with facts. Like mm. I wanted to do what I wanted to do. And he challenged me all the time to say, if you want something bad enough, then you will figure it yeah, out. For sure. And so I started at, at a young age. I started my first business at 10. Really? Doing I made, what? I made my first $500 at 10 selling freeze cups. That's the beginning of the business. Mm. But I made most of the money being a family lender. I used to loan money to mm. my aunts and uncles. They couldn't budget their money. And so I charged 100% interest. It was due every Friday. What? Hold on. Hold I on. I know. Hold on, it's hold the on, craziest thing. <laughs> Explain that to me. You're charging 100% interest to your... You know what? Because I, I loan my money, my mom money. I just never really got all of it back. I always you know got my money back. Like, you cannot... Like, I was the warden. I had a sheet, a chart, and it would be on the refrigerator. And if you were on the chart and you did not come off that week, you couldn't borrow money the next week. Do you know how hard it is to make it through a week with $2, I was the bank. Mm. So if you didn't pay me, then you couldn't get money until you paid me back. So it was a very interesting system. I learned how to be a leader and a manager at 10, managing a house full of grown adults who couldn't manage their money. Mm. Yeah, because they lived for the weekend. Like, and where like, did you learn the skill set? It was God. I don't even, nobody in my family could budget shit like they couldn't budget mm, anything right. like I was the I used to have family meetings at 10 like I I hated poverty I hated everything about it I was like why do we live like this because I went to a majority school I was only black to do this and it, it was I was always the only one and I was like but why mm. well I know why now because it cost a lot of money and my uncle paid for it like mm. cheerleading was a thousand dollars a year back then Damn. one a thousand my grandmother made $3.35 an hour. She thought that we were crazy. She was like, what are y'all doing? Like, my uncle was wow. like, don't listen to her. He, he told me, don't listen to her. She doesn't know any better. That's what he told me. Mm. And so I did it. Like, so he put me in all of these activities. And now I look back on it. Every single thing he did was so I would be so busy, I would never be at home. So I just slept wow. there. I slept there. I didn't live in the confusion, the chaos. And then when I did have to be there, I was like, 
literally these people are nuts. Like I can't be. Mm-hmm. Like, I, remember those after school specials like switched at birth? Mm-hmm. I swore I was switched at birth. I was like, I can't be related to these people. They're all crazy. Like they're all crazy. As a child, mm-hmm. yeah. What did that? Uh, what did that do to you? It made me super independent. Super independent. Like I can think that's a good thing, though. No, it's it's actually for me. It mm. was. I mean, I look back on it now. I mean, there's a lot of innocence that you just right. never had. Like, right. I mean, I played with dolls, and but I mean, if we played house, like I had to be the mom in the neighborhood. Like I wasn't going to be the kid. Like mm. I was just super independent. And I grew up in a household. I was the youngest, mm. so I'm the oldest with my mom's children. I have a brother. And I'm the youngest in my grandmother's, it's like my grandmother raised me. So I have two different complete personalities. Like I'm a sister to a brother and I'm mm. the oldest, but in my household where I was raised, I was the baby. So I'm the youngest looking at every single thing. And I was, I was a child. I didn't like getting mm. yelled at. I didn't like spankings. So I picked up on context clues very quickly. I was like, oh, if you do this, then you get in trouble. So then I won't do that. Or I at least won't get caught doing it. Mm. Like, and so it was, it was, I was very instinctive and all of these things were God given. I it didn't know. Intuition. It it's was not- intuition. It was covering in a different way because to go left or right, you make too many left turns. You know, my uncle explained that to me very early on. My mom was in and out of prison. She died when I was 13. Mm. And I mean, if you were at the, you know, if you went on tour, you, you know, saw any of those, you know, that my story is, you know, I'm a product of a 15 year old mother who was in and out of prison most of my life, and she dried, died of a heroin overdose when I was 13. Wow. Yeah, so, you know, my uncle just did not allow me to use that as a crutch for what my life was going to look like. He just didn't mm. allow it. And looking back on it now, that's definite trauma. I certainly needed yeah, some therapy. For sure. But looking back on it now, because I coach women, I've coached over... Oh, God, in the past five years, at least, I mean, a minimum of 400 people. And mm. I have 100 clients who have gone from making forty, fifty, sixty thousand dollars $60,000 a year to mid-six figures quickly because mm. I just teach them what I know. And I'm not your friend. I'm your mm. coach. And so I'm going to teach you how to make money. I'm mm. not here to work through your psychological problems. I'm here to show you how to make money. And Eric has this You don't rub their back? Oh, no, I have a client right now. She was like, she's uh, coming back into coaching. She took a break. Mm. She's a teacher, and she was finishing her doctorate. We met her at the San Diego conference, and she was trapping, we call it trapping um, tutoring students Mm. out of Starbucks because she thought she had to have her PhD to start this tutoring program. And I said... Mm. Why? You're teaching math to third graders. Like, you're <laughs> licensed by the state to teach yeah. now. So within 90 days, she was, she had 100 students. Now she's up to 500 students. This year she'll do a wow. million dollars. Tutoring. Math. Wow. Math. She thought she had to hire, like, all these people, like, PhDs. I said, no, you need someone who just knows third grade math. Yeah. That's it. Like, it's a very basic system that we created, and it's with who knew COVID was going to happen. Now right. these parents are like, like she has oh, to do. She's hiding me. Oh my God, it's ridiculous because parents don't know anything. I have a minor in math. I couldn't uh, teach someone else math. I'd be at the crib loss. <laughs> yeah, you're like confused. So yeah, I mean, all of those things, every single thing that happened, happened for a reason. I just yeah. didn't know it at the time. So gotcha. I learned to be super resilient. I was a very you know, if anybody follows me on Instagram, they pro- I tell, I overshare information. Mm. But I do that because I want people to know that 
pain doesn't look one way, that betrayal doesn't look one way, that coming from poverty doesn't look one way. Like people think you just land here and you yourself. They don't know what it took to be you and the ups and the downs. And I share it all. Like I share bankruptcy, foreclosures, like everything, because I'm a person in business. I bet on my business Mm. every single time and I'm going to bet on me. If the market collapsed, I can't control that. It wasn't because I made a bad investment. The market tanked. Mm -hmm. This is where we are. So how do you move through those things and then come on the other side of it confident to do it again, but bigger and better and then learn how to leverage those mistakes and make money off of it. I make money off of my pain. Mm, All right. So (laughs) we are going to get into the nuts and bolts because you are doing some amazing things in business and in coaching. But I want to take us back to kind of um, after your 10-year-old kind of, I just have, I'm, I'm walking with a certain different air right now, okay? Yes. What is the first business that worked? So at 10, I started making money. Mm-hmm. And what I realized is that money allowed you to have control. Yeah. I could control things that happened. And so I never didn't make money after 10, ever. So I had a babysitting service for military base. And if I couldn't keep the kids, I just outsourced it to my friends so I was babysitting like five six seven sets of kids oh my god that I wasn't there but they trusted me I was 13 14 and I just understood how to do that my first job I worked two jobs during the summer so I only took off one week and that was just for cheer camp but mm. from the time we got out of school until we went back because we used to be out like 12 weeks back then yeah. like now they have these like stupid right. little t- I'm like didn't y'all just get out exactly but like, it, that yeah. allowed me to, have you read outliers yes. I'm sure you have so Pick it up again because you're expecting, right? I want you to read it again with a different set of eyes. And what that book teaches you is that some some things that happen. Make a note to myself. Yeah, make it like definitely because some things that happen aren't luck. It's just timing. Big facts. And where you come along in history. You know, I came along at a time that I could go get a job. I wasn't old enough to work. And then every week I just told them I was going to bring them my social security card until the summer was over. And I didn't. Mm -hmm. I did that for two summers. I wasn't even old enough to work. Goodness gracious. Like you had to have your parents sign off for cheer. My grandmother would have never signed off on that. Never. She would have agreed to it because her decisions were dictated Mm. based on money. And so I used to forge her signature. Like, I, she had to sign something. And Yo, you I, are going to get it one way or yeah, another. Yeah, like you're going to get this signature. Right. Like she knew, like I worked in the attendance office and like one time she really signed something and they were like, whose signature is right. that? I was like, oh, she must have been tired this morning. They right. didn't even have her signature. It was always mine. But she had wow. no idea. She had no idea how big I wanted my life to be. And... um I was just a big dreamer, like really early. Like mm. looking back on it now, I'm like, how did I even come up with that at that age? I didn't mm. have the exposure. My uncle told me things. He exposed me to as much as he could. But even your mentors, when they are in your life, especially in poverty, they can only expose you to stuff based on what they are exposed yeah, to. Sure. So he put me in situations where I was around people who were more successful than him. And because of that, that allowed me to see life in a different way because he didn't go to college, but it was, I was going to college. Like it was never a question. It was, he didn't tell me how to do an application. He didn't save any money for it. He was like, you're going like figure it out. Mm. You can figure everything else out. So I figured it out. I got a scholarship. (laughs) I got a Pell Grant. Yeah, I got everything. And then when I was in college, 
my freshman year, the girl, I was on dance team. Mm -hmm. And there was two of us on dance team that knew how to do hair. And so you have to wear your hair kind of similar. And so she was leaving for the summer because her dad had a stroke. Mm -hmm. And she asked me to take her job so that when she came back, she'd have her job. And so she talked Mm. to the guy. And so... I worked there that summer as a shampoo tech because I've been doing that since I was 13 for my uncle. And it was like the coolest job ever. He was Seventh-day Adventist. It was the Seventh-day Adventist salon. So you don't work on after sundown Mm -hmm. on Friday. You don't work on Saturdays. Like that's the salon business. You think you can't build a business if you don't work on weekends. For sure. No. I grew up with a corporate style salon. So you just made your money Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, half day and Friday. Mm -hmm. And I did that. Starting then, it was $200. This is my pay. $200 a week plus tips, and you got your hair done for free. Mm. Talk about winning. Like, How old were you? I was 17, 18. 17, so I was, 18, so yeah. I was 18 yeah. by that summer. So when she came back, they were so busy, they kept both of us. Mm. And so we worked there for two summers. I mean, all year round. So I worked right. during the week. I was on dance team. And then I started interning my junior year for an investment banker. So I couldn't do... I couldn't do it all anymore. Right, like, right. I'm like serious. I'm like, I'm getting a degree. I'm not yeah. trying to play with this hair right, stuff. Right, right. So I thought. And um, my Walmart opened in our city. Mm. This is when. What Walmart, city is this? Huntsville, Alabama. I went Huntsville. to Alabama AM University. I went to AM too. Did you? Yes. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Right. I, I, I was at um I was at AM and I stayed in Foster in the dorm. Oh my and, god. And then I moved off campus um off Sparkman. Live? I lived in Laurelwood. Okay, so if you're on Sparkman, I worked at Exquisite Concepts. Gotcha. Yeah, okay, I yeah, yeah, Exquisite yeah. Concepts. Okay, okay. So um Walmart opened and all of my friends worked at Walmart. Mm-hmm. And people would ask them who did their hair. And so they were asking me What year is this for this context? This is so this would be ninety four. Ninety four. This gotcha. is ninety four. And everyone would ask them who did their hair. Mm. And so I was just, I mean, it was not, it was just something I knew how to do. Yeah. It wasn't anything I ever thought I would do. And um, I was talking to the girl who did my hair and I was just laughing. I was like, these people keep asking me to do their hair at my house. I'm not doing that. And she said, <laughs> why? I said, I don't want these strangers coming to my house. She right. said, what are they going to do? And it was one of those aha moments that you realize sometimes you're just saying something you haven't put a thought behind what you're saying. You're just knee jerking yeah. and really talking out the side of your neck. Yeah. She was like, Maya, you really should. She said, you have plenty of room. She was like, I have all this other salon stuff you can have. So I started doing hair at home and I had a full clientele within wow. like two months. It was crazy. Wow. And um, so fast forward, maybe four or five, maybe six months. About six months, I'm driving down university. So, you know, Sparkman Intersection yeah, University. Yeah, yeah. I'm driving down university. And I found someone's born their horn like a maniac. It's going on. <laughs> ah! It's like, oh. And it was Eric, the guy who owned the salon that I used to work at. Wow. And he was like, father. And I'm like, oh, I kind of seen him in like almost a year. Because mm. the girl who used to do my, who did my hair, she had moved from his salon to mm. another salon. And um, he's like, I've been trying to get in contact with you, baby. I was like, I want you to come back and work for me. I was like, I'm not coming back to work for you. <laughs> I was like, I got my own clients right. now. I was like, you know, snarky. Right. He said, I know. And you're taking all our clients. He said, wow. he said, I want you to come and work for me because I want you to get your license. I was like, I don't want to do hair. He said, you're already doing hair. I said, but yeah, not like that. He was like, 
but you're doing it like that. He's like, no, no, no. He's like, seriously. He's like, call me on Monday. I want you to come by. He said, I got two spots. He was like, you'll be perfect. He was like, mm. I'm going to give you all your clients. He's like, if you don't make enough for, because I said, I can't pay booth rent. It was like 125 a week. That was like <laughs> a lot of money right, back right. then. Um, he was like, but you're not going to be able to bring any of those clients because they're not going to pay salon prices. He was like, so I'm going to give you, I'm going to feed your chair. He was like, and if you're slow, you just shampoo for me. He was like, I got you. He was like, I got you. I was like, okay, Eric, I don't mm. know. And so I did. So, so, what, so what did you do with the clients? So I told them I was working in the salon and it was exactly what he said. Right. You know, I probably kept, you know, three or four of them because they couldn't afford salon yeah. prices. I was a college student, so they were used to paying. I was like, you know, my other business, the $50 weaves. I was a discounted salon before we even knew what a discounted right, salon right, was. But right. I was I was what they call a kitchen beautician. And... First week, I did okay. I made my boyfriend and maybe a couple extra hundred dollars, mm. and then he, like, tipped me out. You know, like, in the business then, at that time, everybody tipped out. Like, yeah. you know, it was everybody tipped according to their style. Gotcha. And so um, the next week was our homecoming. Mm, I know it was lit. I made $1,000 that week. Sheesh. And I was like, Wow. And it was from there. I just got better and I learned how to work my chair like a professional. Mm -hmm. And it was because everybody, when I talk about my uncle, I talk about him, how you eulogize somebody. Mm -hmm. I don't tell them how he was batshit crazy. Like He was <laughs> undiagnosed bipolar and a really? bona fide cokehead. For sure. <laughs> but the wildest fun time you ever want to have mm -hmm. in your life. So you can't. You know, you got to take the good with the bad. And, you know, he yeah. was my light and he pushed me. And so mm. my uncle didn't teach me how to do hair. He taught me how to be an assistant because he never wanted me to do hair. He yeah. didn't think I would do hair ever. Right. But my uncle died when I was in college. He mm. died my junior year. So before Eric came and said, I want you to work for me, my uncle had passed away. And, you know, my cheerleader was gone. But in the salon space, you have the biggest cheerleaders every day. Yeah. You know, it is an environment of women and women support women and you hear everybody else's problems. They will tell a stylist any and everything. You're their therapist, their coach. So all the things that I get paid for now, I've been doing this since I was a kid. Like every single thing, it's like I've always told people how to make a budget. How do you do this? How do you do that? Because that's the way my brain works. I'm mm. in solutions. That's just... Find the, to solve it. Yeah. Like, it's never as bad as you think. They think they have to build the house. Right. Well, you got to pour the foundation. First. Yeah, like, let's learn just, how let's to just, do that Let's just do quick. foundation. Yeah. If you're failing a class, I don't need you to get to an A. I just need to get to a C so you can not have to take the class over yeah. again. Because what's a 2.0 student or a 4.0 student with a bachelor's degree? Same thing. Same thing. Yeah. Same thing. Like, I love smart people, but... Smart people rest on just being smart. And being smart is not enough out here in this world. Mm -hmm. And when you're not like as, I knew I had to do something because school, I couldn't get it. I didn't. All right, let's do some quick math. The less your business spends on operations or multiple systems on delivering your product or service, the more margin you have and the more money you can keep. But with higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. So to reduce costs and headache, smart businesses are graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, HR into one platform and one source of truth. 
with NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required. Access from anywhere. You cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. It just makes sense. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. So do the math. See how you'll profit from NetSuite? I know you see it. Listen to me. If you have everything scattered in business, you cannot grow. And everything is more expensive when you have more and more processes layered on top of each other, more and more softwares. You got to get out of that. And it, it will improve efficiency and cut costs. By popular demand, NetSuite has extended its one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com slash social proof. That's NetSuite.com slash social proof. NetSuite.com slash social proof. Get it. Like, it's just... It just didn't click. So I knew I had to. There's more than one way to do it. And I think that's where we fail students. And this pandemic, I think it's going to show, I hope this will be the shakeup of the education system, is that children learn in different ways. You know, some are kinesthetic learners, some are auditory. Like, if it's just this way and this is the only way you're teaching it, you're telling some kids that they're not smart when, no, you're just not teaching them the way their brain and they're not special ed because of that. Yeah. You know, they shouldn't be labeled because of that. So working in that salon that year, so this is my senior year of college at this mm. time, and I'm interviewing for jobs, and I'm getting job offers, and um, I still am finishing. A job offer for? For, for my degree in finance right. to move to New York. And I wanted to move to New York and work on Wall Street, and I thought mm. this was what my life was going to be. I was going to be like the people on TV, like, right, right. you know, work on Wall Street. <laughs> I'd never been to New York. I just knew I was going to move to New York right. until I went to New York. And I was like. So the idea of New York was bigger than going the, to New York. The idea was what you saw on television. They yeah. don't show you the rat hole that you get for, you know, at that time, $1,200 a month in yeah. the Bronx or Brooklyn before <laughs> it was good. Right, like, right. I wasn't moving to Manhattan. Like, I was like, wait, What? So you always been this fly. I'm like not. I was, and I'm the South. I'm the South. Like right. I lived in. Uh, I grew up. I was raised in a housing project, raised in a trailer park. But I lived in a fantasy world. My uncle had me so laced and so decked right. out. I was like, I mean, that's what they do. I don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I always tell people I'm from the hood. I'm just not of it. I just right. like certain things are just I. I can't do it. I mean, I don't even have the temperament for I'm it. I'm not of it. Yeah, I I'm love not it. of it. I just, I, I mean, you know, that. I take bubble bath. Like, everything has to be an experience for me. I grew up on soap opera. So, mm. you know, I'm like, this is how, this is how you're supposed to live. I believe in luxury, even yeah. on a dime. Yeah. Like, I would go to the dollar store and get me bubble bath. Like, I wanted an experience because that's why I worked. Yeah. I was a, I was a girly girl, very young. And my uncle mm. being gay, he didn't help it. Like, he just, mm. you know, he, I was his... I was his project. Yeah. And I always tell sure. people, he had plenty before me. I was the runt of the bunch. He mm. was just like, this one right here, she gets it. And so he invested his time and his money into wow. me. His mm. time and his money. And he was not going to waste his money. He was very clear about that. Mm. Like, it was one day, I didn't want to go to cheer practice. Like, I was just tired. I just wanted to do what other kids do. I wanted to go outside and play. I didn't have any friends almost in my neighborhood 
because I was always doing something. Right, right. So I didn't have a lot of friends. My friends were at school, and I didn't go to the neighborhood school. I went to school with white kids. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like, I just said, I don't want to cheer anymore. He looked at me like I was crazy. Mm. And he said, I hope you got a bleeper. He said, I don't get no fuck what you want to do. I don't have a bleeper. Oh, sorry. <laughs> well, this is the real. Right, like, right, this right. is, what is this? Social proof. Right. This ain't no candy coating. You need somebody who don't care. He yeah. said, I don't care what you want to do. Mm. You better go put your shoes on and get down to that field. Mm. And he threw his caftan on and walked down the hall and just left me there looking stupid. Wow. I put my shoes on and got down to the field. You know what's so crazy? <laughs> like, the, it, it's the, not a... Girl, like, yeah. all this money that I've spent for this, like, I've been cheering at that point for five years. Do mm. people, kind of mean people let people quit something because they don't feel like doing it? Right, that's what I'm saying. Not all of us have that person in our lives. Like, some of us, like, will start and stop and quit just because we've never had somebody tell you that there's something wrong with that. Well, that you can't. Like, yeah. we're not wasting. I don't care if you want to do it. Yeah. Like, I don't care if you want to do it. Keep doing it long enough. And you, Because he wanted me to be around different people. He said, this is more than cheer. Later, he would explain it to me that you cheering was more than cheer. This is me choosing your friend group. This is me putting you in position so that you can be a leader. Because a cheerleader is just that. Like, there's this Netflix documentary it's called Cheer. Hold on. He said... This is you choosing your friend group. Yeah, he chose my friend group. I couldn't hang out with the kids that, you know, because this is when crack was starting to come in, like, ravaged cities. Like, I wouldn't even, and I grew up around drug addicts. Like, you know, Mm. my mother died of a drug overdose. My uncle was, like, everybody did drugs. But doing drugs would never cross my mind because I just thought it was just so lo-fi. Like, what are you talking about? Like, that's disgusting. (laughs) Like, who does that? These people? Yeah, I don't want to be involved in anything like that. Like, so he chose my friend group by exposing me to things that blew my mind. Like, I wanted to be at the pool every day or on my friend's parents' house at the lake. Like, that's the stuff I wanted to do. I didn't want to be hanging on the block, you know, looking Mm. at people drive by. Like, what are y'all doing? That's so boring. That's a gem. That is a gem. But but that was a blessing. That was a blessing. I didn't even know it till later Mm. how impactful. Cheer. And being exposed to cheerleading really navigated most of my early right. adulthood. I mean, wow. I was, you know, vice president for the state of Florida for DECA. I don't know if you know what DECA is. So it's a marketing I know it's D-E-K-A. D-E-C-A, uh, Distributive yeah, Education yeah. Club of America. Yep. But so there's FBLA and there's DECA. Yes. And so in the state of Florida, 11th grade, I get elected. So 12th grade, I got to travel the entire state of Florida mm. representing my district, like as an elected official, by myself, no chaperone. Mm. I'm like, I could have been taken into a sex trade. Yo, <laughs> Yo you know what? I, I am going to read Outliers with a different mindset. Because a different you lens. Are, uh, a different it lens. Is. Because you epitomize it. Yeah, I'm telling you. Like, I know. It's where I came along. Nobody would go let a 16-year-old go travel by themselves to any little podunk town. You know, with mm. my blazer, just yeah. the chaperone stopped going because she was like, well, she doesn't need me. Like, she was like, she doesn't need me. Yeah. Like, she doesn't need me. Like, right, she's right. like, she, she'd be talking to me about her relationship problems. And I was like, you know, what? you should probably leave him if he treats you like that because you're a really nice lady and you're really mm. pretty. And, you know, I said, I think you can do better than him. Like, you know, <laughs> I was a kid. And wow. um, so that sort of stuff gave me the confidence 
to be able to do that. Like, yeah. you know, being the only black cheerleader to make a team, like there's 200 girls to try out and they only pick 12. And there was a reason when I look back, not a lot of black kids even tried out because, you know, I grew up competition cheering. We didn't do this, you know, no, mm. full out. Right. Yeah. This is, a, this is a, like right now I could go be coach and cheer like that's like my if I had a, done it different I would own a cheer team like mm. that's my biggest passion like I feel like you're saying that you're actually gonna do one no like, I do my, my goddaughter actually literally just made eighth grade cheer and then they didn't go to school this year mm. so you know she is like oh, yeah. devastated yeah, so I'm more devastated because right, I was right. about to take over the whole program. Yeah. I was like, oh, y'all can get some different uniforms. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have so many things. Do you, do you have do. children? No, I don't have no kids. Children? So it's the best because with your nieces, they're better with you than they are their parents. They're not snarky with you. Mm. Like, I'm the cool aunt, but I'm like cool in a different way. I'm cool, but I let you know, like, yeah, that's not going to work. So are you like your, are you to your niece what your uncle was to you? I am, and I say this all the time. I said, if I am half the person to the children, were in my life that my uncle was to me, then I am doing fine. Like mm. I'm doing a stellar job. And wow. I have so many great young people in my life and they show up for me and they're like, you know, it's so sweet. Like it is the sweetest, most genuine gift you can ever have because they're not my kids. They're my yeah. friend's kids. And like, they won't miss a beat. I had surgery three weeks ago. My goddaughter stayed with me for two weeks. Like she wouldn't let, like she wouldn't leave. Mm. Like I'm not supposed to drive. So right. she was like, well, she can't. Her dad was like, oh, I hope I can call you because Brit, you know, won't let anybody talk to you. <laughs> yeah, because she's just like that. She's a caretaker. Wow. And wow. she was like, you know, she's just the best kid ever. Gotcha. But she's so, been, she's been in my life. She was my flower girl at my wedding. I married 15 years ago. Oh, I'm wow. divorced now. So they don't have to be in my life. They, I choose to stay in their life and yeah. they choose to be in mine. For so sure. that I, is my gift. I, I, I want to get into your, uh, the, the walk, walk in weaves, walk in weaves, walk in weaves. Um, Come because on to the weave express. <laughs> <laughs> the commercials <laughs> and all that. You had the city on fire. How many, how many walk in weaves did you have? I had six. I had six. six. Mm -hmm. When I started filming, and this is all, again, a timing thing. So when you read it... And explain what walking weaves is, because okay. I thought the concept so, was just so, so dope. And I didn't create it, and that's the biggest thing about that whole show, is um, it's a $50 weaving salon. So mm. we are a discounted concept salon. Has it always been $50? It started... No, we... This right here, when I was growing up, was $300 back then, just to get it done. I'm talking about your first walk-in weaves. Yeah, it's so always been 50. But I owned a traditional salon for 10 years. So gotcha. I owned a traditional salon for 10 years. I left the salon business because my real estate business had exploded. Like, it was just ridiculous. We were closing, like, we were doing $30, $40 million a year when the market was on fire. All right, all right, all right, because there's so many layers. We're speeding, we're speeding. Okay, okay. so let's go back to, walk, so, you walk, know what? Walk me let after me, college. Let me slow walk you, yeah. let me slow walk you. Goodness, so, great. Let me slow walk every, you. Yo, every time, like, when we have conversations, it's like almost matter of fact because you got a big brokerage, like you do real estate, you invest, mobile homes, walking weeds, speaking, coaching. But they all are, you know, it's all the same client. So I'll take you back. So my senior year, I'm interviewing for jobs and I go to New York and I'm like, I don't want to live here. Mm -hmm. But I was committed to, I got this degree, I have to go do something. And I'm in my office um, at the investment banker's office and it's like two more weeks before graduation. And he said, where are you moping around? He was like, you're the light around here, and you've been in a stink for two days. <laughs> and I was like, 
don't want to move to New York. He said, what? I said, I don't want to move to New York. And I'm thinking, you know, he's made all these calls and these recommendations and, you know, like he paid for my flight to go, mm. you know, like I didn't want to disappoint anyone. Right. And he said, then don't go. I said, well, I have to. Mm. He said, I just did your tax returns. He's like, you make more money, then they're going to pay you. He's like, listen, best advice I ever got in my life. He said, listen, I made a ton of money. But I can tell you this right now. Everybody else has enjoyed it but me. He said, said, you're a woman. You're a pretty girl. Get out here, live your life. He said, worst case scenario, you can just find a rich guy. (laughs) (laughs) He said, but you'll figure it out. He said, don't live your life for other people. And this is your first job this out of my, college. This is my internship. Or internship, this gotcha. Is my internship. And what were you doing there? So I worked for an investment banker. So, Working, okay, you know, gotcha, understanding gotcha. how you grow money, how you put deals together, mm-hmm. things that I do now, mm-hmm. but seeing how they structure deals and how a million dollars was no, is never any money. Like, that's just no money. They're like, oh, yeah, that's, I'm, it's not enough money to even, like, we only send us $10 million deals. Like, mm-hmm. they didn't want to look at a million dollar deal because right. in their mind, it's the same work. Yeah, And so him saying that was a freedom that I didn't even think I needed because I'd always been very independent. I didn't, I told my grandmother what I was going to do. So it wasn't like I needed her approval, but I knew she was going to fall on the floor because she thought my degree in finance meant I was going to like work at a bank. Like she right, didn't even right. realize like, sweetie, they don't make any money. But okay. <laughs> like that was her only point of reference. Like yeah. the lady who could sign off on something at the bank for her. Right. So to her, that was a big deal. Mm. And so I just told her, I was like, Nana, I was like, you know what? I said, I'm not going to move to New York. I said, you know what? I think I'm going to move to Charlotte, work on my master's, and I'm going to find a salon tour. Why Charlotte? Because Charlotte was, at that time, as they always say, it's the next Atlanta. They've been saying it's the next Atlanta for years. <laughs> I, and I'm I like, I'm like, I'm like, I've lived in Charlotte. It's not the next Atlanta. It's Charlotte. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's a financial capital. Right. It's not Atlanta. But had a booming um it's a financial mecca. And at that time, my best friend lived in Atlanta. And I used to come to Atlanta all the time. I've been coming to Atlanta since I was 13 mm. by myself. Right, right. <laughs> so, like, I knew Atlanta. And I was like, oh, you know what? I'll try Charlotte. I think it'll be a great space. It'd be less competition for what I want to do. This is how I'm thinking. I'm young. And, and what do you want to do? So, I wanted to open freeze carts that sold slushies and ices and put them in the stadiums. So I'm like, hmm. if I ever wanted to do that, because that's the first business I ever had. But right. it's the, the margins are just crazy. Like, it's right. ridiculous. You can run it for three, four months a year. You're off the rest of the year. It's like a cool thing. And I was like, you know, I'll just yeah. get a bunch of carts and then I'll sell it. That was my thought, my idea. Um, was in Charlotte. I like Charlotte. I didn't love it. And then the Tennessee Titans got the team. And you could bid on a space. Okay. But taking you back to his conversation, when I told my grandmother I wasn't taking that job, she about fell on the floor. Mm. And I just told her, I said, I'm not asking you for your permission, and I'm just kind of telling you what's about to happen. And I tell that story when I talk and have talks because people are waiting for someone to give them permission to live their life. And that person hasn't even lived their life Mm. in that way. You know, they haven't lived a big life. They don't know what it's going to take to live a big life. So she said, you're not going to take that good job. And a good job to her was $36,000 a year. I'd made $50,000 doing hair at 21. I made fifty thousand yeah. dollars doing hair part time. I didn't work on weekends. I told right. you. So when I did the math, I was like, if I just work more, like right. I can kill this for sure. 
so I ended up moving to Atlanta mm-hmm. and I came to Atlanta. Oh, you went to Charlotte and how went long were you in Charlotte? So I was in Charlotte about a year and some change. Okay. And then I moved to Nashville to yeah. be in the lottery for a space right. because when, if okay. you were a state, if you were a citizen, there was like a, what do you call it, a metric system that they use to yeah. like decide who's going to do it. And um, I just wasn't supposed to be there. I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. Like mm. nothing about it. Like the way my life has always happened and worked out is though I had a very, I mean, someone reads the on paper statistically how it happened, like born into this world. You're like, poor thing. No, mm. like I've just always been covered. I've always mm. had people around me. And the, if I took one step, God will give me 10. Like that's just kind of how my life has always been. And not that bad things don't happen to me, but you know, I, I've just put myself in a position that I had worked hard. So my hard work typically pays off. Sure. That's how it kind of works. Sure. And um, it's not a cliche. It actually does. Right, you know, right. work hard. You get a return on investment. <laughs> but <laughs> right, right. I was learning how to work smart. Mm-hmm. Very young. Because my grandmother worked hard. She's the hardest. Mm-hmm. Hard. I got my work ethic from her. Yeah. She's the hardest working person I know. My uncle taught me how to dream. My grandmother showed me how to work. Because my uncle was the worst worker ever. Worst. Why do you say the worst? Why do you say that? Because he was always he was the worst stylist to his client. Like mm. he was always late. I had to always do his work. Mm-hmm. He came into the last minute and you know sprayed fairy dust, and <laughs> everybody was happy. And I would be like, "Are you kidding me?" Right. But again, another lesson in the beauty industry. I've owned salons for over twenty years. People are more sexist than they are racist. People are more sexist. Oh than yeah, they are for racist. sure. They're more sexist than they are racist. Women are sexist. They will let a male stylist get away with anything, almost anything. They don't even have to be able to do hair very well. Mm. Any guy who can halfway curl and lay down their edges just a little bit, oh, they have they have ten x the clients of a girl next to them who is slant mm. because women like men to touch their heads. They like the company of a man, gay or straight. You know, they like it. And sure. that's kind of the, I mean, I grew up around it, so I know. I mean, it's, I've been in the business for 20 plus years as an owner, but working in the space for over 30 years. So here's the thing, and I can, I'm not saying it's right, but I can relate. I had braids, they were, ne- I never had no hang time. Mm-hmm. But you had no hang, it never, it ever. never really caught up to it, it your never ambition. Really, yeah, never really, yeah, exactly. Um, but, uh, I it was, a, it was a guy he did great braids. It's just I couldn't see myself. I'm straight. Yeah, you like I know, but you're like I just don't want no dude playing in my hair. Exactly. Right. And so the same with women. They're more female stylists, mm. so women typically have to go to women. Right, right. But if there was a guy who could do it 100%. better, they'd go to a guy because that would be their little outlet. Yeah. So um, I moved to Atlanta, and within ninety days, I had a full clientele. Really? So did you work in someone else's shop? I worked in somebody else's salon. So I moved here, got a job. So back up. Let me give you my Nashville, the reason I left Nashville. Mm -hmm. So I'd been there just kind of, it's like I'd have one good week and then we'd have a rain out the next week. Like I was just like, what is going Mm. on? And um, I got in a, I bid for this contract and I got this 10 week jazz in the park deal. So it was 10 weeks jazz in the park. So I'm like, oh. Okay. With the slushies, the, the ices. Slush, but yeah. I figured out how to partner with a nonprofit so I could put alcohol in it. And so that's going to take mm. your margins way up. You have to give them 10% of the mm. party. It's like a, it's like a thing sure. that they have, right? You're a so, hustler. You were born with this I stuff. I hustled that, right? <laughs> Until I got hustled on this. So 
I bought all of my supplies because, again, mm-hmm. you know, you buy in bulk, you get better pricing. Yeah. So I bet the bank. I had like $10,000. So I'd spent almost all of my money. And my ex-boyfriend at the time, he wasn't even my boyfriend. Like, he was my ex-boyfriend. He's like, I got you. He was like, you know, whatever you need, I got you. Mm-hmm. And he'd been my boyfriend since college. He was His parents were stupid paid. So, yeah. you know, he's like, if you need it, I got it. Good. I'm glad, <laughs> glad we're in right, agreement. Right. So I, I... Bought all of my supplies. What did you need from him? So I didn't need anything. I had just spent all of my liquid. Oh, gotcha. I spent all gotcha. of my liquid on all of my supplies. Oh, so if you needed some money, so you was like, I need oh, I got in you. between, you know, cool. I got you because I know you're going to make it back. Yeah. I mean, you got it. So I get a call three days before the event because I had to send in, like, my insurance and our permitting stuff. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like doctorized cost cheese, you know, yeah. sort of stuff, right? And I was very business and, you know, I had all of my things in order. Mm-hmm. I was 22. So right. I'm like, you know. Oh, sure, I'll just fax it over, you know. Yeah. I get a call. Hey, Maya. Um, you know, the tone was mm. off. He said, are you sitting down? That never, ever, ever goes yeah. well. Because yeah, 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 sitting yeah, down yeah. or standing up, is that going to make the, the blow better? Right. Well, I needed to be sitting down. Right. He said, um, I just got a call from Park and Rec and... We're not going to be able to allow you to serve the drinks with alcohol because they only allow beer and wine. Mm. This was the first year that they'd had it at a park and rec park. They used to do it at a private, mm. like basically a field before. But you asked around to see first. Well, yeah, they, didn't even, okay. they didn't even know. Right. Until park and rec, until the government gets involved. They always got to come up with some craziness. Right. And um, I was just like, what? And it's, I'm like, well, it's a jazz concert in the park. No one's going to be walking around with slushies. It's an adult event. So I am just, if over it were a person in that Mm. moment, I was devastated. I hung up the phone. I cried for like 10 minutes and I just said, let me get myself together and let me think. I called my best friend. This before everybody had cell phones. She's a teacher at the time and said, tell her to call Maya, tell her it's an emergency. She picks, she calls me back. I was like, hey, I'm getting on the road. I'm coming there. I'm about to find me a salon to work at. I'm moving to Atlanta. She's oh. like, yay! She's like, right. wait, the gang's all back together. Right, right. I came to Atlanta. Hold on. Uh-huh. You don't think to at least go do nope. it with regular? No, no. Because I knew if one more thing happened, why am I going to keep fighting against the grain? I knew that I could make it in Atlanta. Like I knew my talents would, it would take care of my, I, lo- I was here all the time anyway. I only mm. moved to Nashville for that business. I didn't move there because I knew a ton of people. My ex-boyfriend lived there, but we weren't even dating and we were still friends. But yeah. I mean, I was in Atlanta all the time anyway. I was like, you know what? I followed my intuition. Mm. I knew I wasn't supposed to be there. I came to Atlanta, got a salon to work at. My ex-boyfriend. I think I'd had to go at least get a couple of dollars uh-uh, back. I couldn't. I, no, let me tell you how it was. It was the best thing ever. I called my supplier. He took all of my stuff back and only charged me a 10% restocking charge. Good. I leased my, subleased my apartment to one of my hair clients. My boyfriend, ex-boyfriend at the time told me, I'll move all your stuff. You don't even have to come back. Mm. So I never even had to go lift a finger, go do anything. He moved me here. Wow. I started working at the salon, July. Did you marry him? No, we did not. We did not get married, but we're still super duper close. He is like probably one of the best human beings I know in life. And Mm. um, 
It's because of him that I have a standard for the type of man that I ever have in my life. My uncle told me it existed and I met it through him in college. And so any other man, if they if they weren't anywhere near him, they couldn't. They, they, so why isn't it him? Well, because he wanted to get married at 22 and I wasn't trying to get married. I was at puffy parties like I was trying to ball out. <laughs> now, now, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm a good time. Right, right, right. <laughs> yeah, like he was my stability. I loved him. We loved each other. But I was a kid, you yeah. know, and. I wasn't going to get married. I didn't come from married people. Like I wanted to have a good time. I wanted to live my life. I wanted to see the world. And um, I I was able to do that. And um, when he said, you don't have to, you don't have to come back and move your stuff. We already had a trip planned to go to Cancun for Mm -hmm. a puff that used to do these no way out weekends. Mm -hmm. So we were going, it was already planned that I was going to be gone anyway for five days. Mm -hmm. So we went to Cancun. I came back. I started working at the salon. June 1st, by November, I had a full clientele, mm. a full clientele. Like my book was stacked. How did you do it? One person. It only takes one person. That power of one is ridiculous. Mm. That same weekend, I ran into my best friend's boyfriend from high school's little sister. She always had the best hair. And she had like some crazy thing going on. I said, what did you do to your hair? She had <laughs> permed her hair herself and it broke her hair off in the front. She had just moved to Atlanta, just graduated from the University of oh, Alabama. Wow. And I said, come to the salon tomorrow. I'm going to fix that. I said, you cannot go to work looking like that. Mm. She'd never had short hair. I gave her a short haircut. At that time, maybe 20 girls had just moved here at the same time. Mm. What's the first thing you need when you move to a new city? Nikita, You're black. Yeah. You need a barber, yeah. a stylist, a nail person, a dry cleaner. So her one haircut built my business just like that. Wow. And all of them sent me people. Like, it's the craziest thing ever. And mm. something on my IG, I'm going to screenshot and send it to you. I wrote about how cutting I have one client that changed my life and she said that one haircut changed my life because she just didn't even know it could be that fly wow so I wasn't even known for short haircuts I did a lot of weeds but I grew up in a salon so I always knew how to cut yeah and um I built my style my clientele from that one client one client not from billboards not from just word of mouth and every day I would give out my cards this is before social media websites anything one card not with glossy pictures just the name of the salon and my information. And every time I saw someone, a black woman, I would give them my card. I, I never left the house undone. Yeah. So I built my business and my best friend built my business because we were always out and people would mm. ask us who did our hair. I love it. So it was just that. It was word of mouth and just really just doing good work. And I worked at that salon. I started June 1st. I opened my own salon the next October. In Buckhead. Mm. So about a year and a and half later, a year, year and some change later, yeah, you opened your own months. salon. Year and four months. Year and four months. What was the name of the salon? It was Appeal Hair Studio. Appeal Hair Studio. Appeal Hair Studio. So I owned that salon for 10 years, but my first real estate client, I got my license September 11, 2001, when the planes were crashing. Mm-hmm. I got my real estate license that day. Was that uh, what 9/11. time period yeah. in your transition? Was it while you're still working at the salon? Yeah, or? so I was a full time stylist. But and then you went and got your real estate license, right? And the only reason I got my license is because I understood and learned about grant programs. I had purchased my house and I got a ten thousand dollar grant through this organization called Sumet. They're mm-hmm. a nonprofit. She's a black developer who does affordable housing in the city of Atlanta, mm. and um, I 
was looking at places and my girlfriend had bought a place, a house in a gentrification area in Chicago mm -hmm. and she made like $100,000 off her place in like less than two years. Mm. So I was like, oh, I'm about to go find me something like that right. and flip it. And all of my friends who know me, when I showed them where I was, they were like, because I lived in Buckhead. They were like, wait, you're about to move. You're about to live. You're about to move over there. Mm -hmm. You are about to move over there. Wow. I was like, I'm from the hood. I was like, they don't scare me. <laughs> I was like, oh no, no, no. I'm about to get me a check over here. Right. So when I bought that house and I learned about all the programs that were available, I started telling all of my clients because they were at an age that I mean, they were making 70, 80,000 at 25. Mm. They needed a tax write off. Sure. And that's when you got a really good tax write off for being a homeowner. They were paying $1,200 a month for rent back then. Right, so right. Um, my first client closing was one of my clients from the salon. Mm. And so I got my license September 11th and had my first closing 90 days later. Second closing the next month, fourth closing. I sold 44 houses the first year. Golly. No, this is the real. Th I didn't have a billboard. I didn't have a website. Every single client came out of that salon. Every client came out of the salon or someone who referred me from the salon. Every single client. 44 houses. I was the fastest agent. I was rookie of the year. Like, I just came in and took over. They didn't even know what was going on. They're like, mm. how is this little girl? Because I thought I was a kid. I'm like, right. I'm actually like an adult. So right. um, that first year I sold 44 houses. The next year I sold like 77 houses. And what I realized my niche and my gift was, was the numbers. Like it was putting the deal together, but also finding clients money, finding them ways to get the best house they can, but less play with the number so you can get the payment you want. I never ask a person, how much do you want to spend on a house? I always ask them how much you want to pay per month. So, okay. Break that down for me. Break that down for me. Cause there is a difference. So you can have a $250,000 house in Buckhead, which doesn't exist anymore, but it, right. just say if it did, your that's going to be more expensive than a $250,000 house in unincorporated cop because of the property taxes. So that property mm. tax bill is going to change that payment significantly, right. like significantly. So a $250,000 house in the city of Atlanta, it doesn't matter where you are in the city of Atlanta, city of Atlanta on two fifty three hundred, you're paying five, $6,000 a month. I mean a year in property taxes. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. And unincorporated Cobb, that same, which is an extra $500 a month, extra 500. Well in Cobb, it's you're an unincorporated. You don't pay the city tax. So you're only paying $200 a month. There's a difference. Yeah. So sure. that's money that you can't, this is just what it costs because that's the tax. And so, so you just dug into the numbers. I to, dug into the numbers. Yeah, that's different. Yeah. And that's then, different. you know, I didn't specialize in one neighborhood. It's where do you want to live? And I'll learn the area based on that because I was a stylist. So I could take off at any time and go see houses during the day. And how do you find time couldn't. when you have client, book a business? Because well, you, I learned this from, again, working at a salon where your clients work around your schedule. Mm. Like, if you're good, mm -hmm. your clients work around your schedule. So these were the times that I'm available, and these are the times that are available. There was no online booking system. You had right. to call me for me to book your appointment. I booked my clients' appointments. They had to rebook when they were in my chair. Mm. Or you might not be able to get in when you come oh. next week. But that was because I learned by watching what my uncle didn't do. My uncle made a mm. lot of money, but he didn't have anything to show for it. So for me, I wanted to 
make sure that I own things. So I started buying mm-hmm. real estate. That's why I got my license. So the only reason I got my license is because I'd sent like four people to the agent that sold me my house and she never even sent me a thank you card. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I'm actually doing all the work. I might as well just get my license and I'll just kind of sell houses on the side. I didn't think I was going to, I didn't, I don't love selling houses. Right, right. I love the deal. Yeah, so I like putting sure. the deals together. So I found the parts of real estate that I really enjoy. And the beautiful thing about mm. me coming into the business when I did is like, it's hysterical. Rates were 7.9% then. So Ooh. when people are like, how much is the rate? I'm like, if y'all don't sit down somewhere. Right. Like, you take this little 4%. This little 4%. <laughs> 4%? Right. House? right. My rates, my rate was my score, my credit score was seven twelve when I bought my first house, and my rate was like seven point six two nine. Like it was some crazy number because mm. it was attached to a bond. Right. But they gave me ten thousand dollars to move there. My rent was twelve hundred dollars, twelve something, and my mortgage was twelve dollars less than my. So yeah, it just made perfect sense, sense yeah. for me to do it. So once I started and I realized that, oh God, like I really like. It was my You're broker. making me want to go get my real estate license. You should. I'm telling you. It's the easiest money you can make in someone in your You don't have to sell. You can just be a referral agent. Just refer people. It's 25%. They have to pay you 25%. But I don't need to get a license to do that, though. Yes, you do. You have to be licensed. For, if they pay you, they're going to go. You're going to both get uh, go to jail. It's against the law. Really? Yeah, I tell people. They're like, you know, if I send you somebody, how much are you going to give me? I said, are you wired? Like, what are you talking about? Are you licensed? You cannot give people money for referring clients. How long does it take? Yo, you know what? I had my license in 2005. I went, uh, he was the dopest teacher too. And um, Where'd you go? You went to Barney Fletcher? You went to uh, GMAC? GMAC. Oh. No, it wasn't GMAC. No, it was a, It was on the south side in South Lake. It was a little build. It was a building. So they have a lot of little satellite offices. So you might have went to MLS. Or I went to MLS. MLS. I went mm-hmm. to MLS. Yeah. And then I think like another training I did was GMAC. Okay. And then I hung my license there. Okay. So yeah. no, definitely. It's, a, it's an amazing time. To be Is there a different process? Well, it's, well, you know, they're not doing in-person classes right now. Right. I don't think so. It's really online at your pace. How? but. How long do you think it takes now? I did the I so I always did the fast track for everything. So I t- I got my license. I took my class over thirteen days. So I went thirteen days nine to I'm five. I'm gonna get my license. Yeah, my... you better go get it. I'm telling you, like it's especially with all the people that you're coming to contact with. It doesn't matter. Just hang yeah. your license and let them pay you. Mm. Like I have a platform that we're creating for the new year that'll just be for for referrals because we package USDA loans. I'm not gonna do all that work. And I mean, you don't get paid that much money for that. But as a loan packager, USDA, I can get a person a loan with no credit if they're in a USDA territory. Because this is a government program that's not through a bank. I deal directly with USDA. So so what does USDA stand for? Um, when you think of USDA, what do you think? You think of farmers, Meat. right? Yeah. yeah, no, it's agriculture. So they have an entire home loan division. Really? Yes, they have an entire home loan division that most people don't know about. So, yeah. Hey, look, guys, just comment real quick. If I go get my license, you'll buy your house through me. Okay? Yeah, and you don't have to buy it through you. You can just refer them somebody because they right. know you're going to vet the person. And when you refer them, you'll they'll make sure you're taken care of. So all you people just send them to me. You get 25%. It's called, we call that mailbox money. Mm, yeah, I like what's system. happening right And my, my process is when you sign them up, you know every step of the process. So we're licensed. It's a referral form. So they can't cut you out of the deal ever. It's a referral form. So before I send you the client, is a, before you send me the client, there's a form that we sign as brokers that we have a certain law that we have to abide by. Yeah, so it's okay, amazing. Okay, like it's, okay. it's, it's, it's great. I, yo, it's great. Oh my god, we're probably gonna have to have like three episodes because no. I want to dig into that because <laughs> I, I, I do want to know how you started walking weaves oh, yeah. and then you. 
Okay, so let's move forward. So, all right, so yes, you have your salon. Have the salons, and then, like, say the second year, I was on like my 70, I think it's about 70 something closings that year, and my broker was like, listen, because I was still doing hair full time, I was still a working stylist. Yeah. Like curling hair behind the chair. Right, for sure. And the third year, um, I had the opportunity to work with a developer who was building a subdivision on the south side of town. Mm. He was a builder who built on the north. It's so important that black voices are represented in black media for so many different reasons. And the next generation of black uh, voices and influencers from black voices can be found on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. Black Stories, Black Truths is a celebration of blackness from NPR. Each of NPR's black voices are as distinct, varied, and nuanced as the black experience itself. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collections, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. And every episode is a living account about what it means to be black today, told from a unique black perspective. From Bobby Smyrta to The Wire, Michelle Obama to Reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black Stories, Black Truths. I listen and I'm enjoying these conversations that are for us, by us. Black representation, again, it hasn't always been uh, shared from our perspective. And black perspectives haven't been censored in the telling of America's story. Now they are the story. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the black experience. Here are a feed of episodes from across NPR's podcasts that center black voices. It's NPR. Noir. Turn on NPR today and hear a range of voices as very nuanced and black as the country we reflect. Stories should never be about us without us. Listen to the Black Stories, Black Truths on NPR, wherever you get podcasts. Then he wasn't used to MPU boards, going before zoning boards, dealing with any of that. He's an old school builder. He just threw his plans and they basically built the houses for him. He didn't have to do Mm. anything. He inherited this land. He had 100 acres of land that he inherited on Camp Creek. So I am one of the first agents to blow up Camp Creek Parkway. Like, mm, mm-hmm. And I gotta remember that development. Yeah, like Heron, it wasn't Heron Creek. Oh yeah. yeah. We did it over there. Wow. We got a bag of that subdivision. <laughs> so I had Heron Creek, I had Asia Court. So it's one of those things I went to, and this is personal development in really understanding that I was in the salon business, but I'm not of the business. So I I ran my chair like a business. Mm-hmm. And my uncle, what I learned from him is what not to do. Yeah. I ran my chair like a professional. My Clients didn't have to wait. If you had an appointment time, this is your time. If you're late, then you're going to have to wait or you're going to have to reschedule because I respect my time and I respect yours. But the way I built my business, I took the first client and the last client every day. So I built my business on walk-ins because everybody is always ready to hit the door like they were a banker. And I'm like, you're still here. Just put her under the dryer. Like it's going to take you 20 extra minutes after you finish her. They couldn't wrap their head around it. So I got an assistant very early on in the business. So I was able to run my chair fast. And then I started spending money on Tony Robbins programs because Mm. I was like, how do I get to this next level? Because when you're in a certain space in a certain industry, especially a trade industry, you don't have people who really, really think like you in the way Instagram is different. Facebook is different. You see a persona, you see Mm. people who you're like, Oh, I can do that. 
Like you can achieve it because you see someone doing it, but there weren't, I opened my first line at 25. There weren't a lot of 25 year old stylists driving Benz is popping. Like, right. you know, I was just was like, I was like, I look back on it. I was like, was like killing it. Yeah. But the money was so like money was everywhere in Atlanta. Then I was, and it was timing. I moved here at the right time. Everything about it was nothing. Cause Atlanta was low. Yeah. Atlanta was yeah, like, it was, it was ex- more uh, my, inexpensive. My apartment, my one bedroom apartment. So when my ex-boyfriend drops me off, when he was leaving, he gave me three checks, three checks when he was dropping me off with undated filled out. And he said, if you ever need it, just use it. And I looked at that check one you day. I found. Man. Oh, you're so crazy! <laughs> you should have married that man. Golly, I've had bigger and better since right. him. But he, but he set the tone. And so, if you couldn't do that, like, but again, he believed in me. He knew that you know I was starting over, and yeah. um, he was like, "If you ever need it, then you know, they're they're here. You don't have to wait for me to do something." Yeah, and sure. um, the check was five hundred and. $75. That's how much my rent was for a one bedroom in Buckhead. Crazy. Do you know how much that same one bedroom in, they've not made any changes to that subdivision. It is $1,700. Crazy. So you can't move here now with hope and a dream and let me see if I can make it. Like at 500, I could do two weeks sure. and I could, I could get my, I, I was going to be fine with my yeah. rent. You know, I wasn't concerned because I knew I could make the money, but. And what is the next city like Atlanta yeah. was? Like Atlanta was, I just don't, you know, I sh- I say I should be the ambassador for Atlanta because there is no city like Atlanta anymore. That's a big fact. Yeah, it isn't. Houston isn't even like Atlanta. The taxes are too high on the homes. Mm. Their property taxes are ridiculous. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay, okay. Okay. Walking weaves. Yeah, so yes. I get the subdivision. The subdivision explodes. Crazy. So I start doing, I had five subdivisions at that time, 13 agents that we were a new home construction specialist. So we Mm -hmm. sold new homes for builders, developers. So when the market tanked in 2008, I had sold almost all of my inventory. So I was in a really good position. I was married at the time and, you know, I didn't have to just figure it out. You know what I mean? It was, I was in a situation. So you got your license, 9-11, that was 2001. Mm -hmm. So 2001. Had a seven-year run. Seven-year run. Seven years. We killed it. We got to it. And so I learned how to, buy land and bring in infrastructure and I so I spot built so I flipped houses myself so that's how I got into it is when when he would do a development so if a track of land is like this and they have to cut a road that's called an out parcel mm-hmm. where the utilities are already closed so he would just let me buy the out, out parcel for almost nothing for doing all of his little extra work and so I could build houses on those so I learned how to do that not knowing that that's what I was learning how to do hold on okay so a track of land mm-hmm. And they, they build it out, and it's almost like extra space. It's extra land. It's not extra in the land. subdivision. It's not in, in the, the subdivision. subdivision. It's like across the street. And so, he just lets you so, buy it for And he would just let me buy it for pennies on the dollar. So just say if it was worth, on paper, 90 I might have got it for 30 And so mm. I could subdivide those lots because your lot cost dictates your profit margin. Wow. And he was grateful that I did a lot of work that, as an agent, that wasn't my job to do that. My job is to sell the house. I wasn't supposed to go to zoning board meetings. But I'm so glad I did now. So now I know how to negotiate and navigate a deal from dirt. Like, I know how Mm. much your land is worth because I know your utilities are down the street. Because if your utilities are down the street, we got a million dollars we have to spend before we do anything. So your land isn't worth what you think it is. I don't care if you have 50 acres. Your 50 acres is not worth anything 
if we don't have any utilities that are close. Right. So you have right. to know what that cost is. And so. Can you help me do some stuff? Yes, I'm excited. I can't wait for us to do it. So Walking yes. Weaves came That's about. Cool. I took some time off and I was working. I still sold real estate. I have an insurance agency that's part of that. So, you know, I was just kind of, you know, chilling, really. Mm. And um, one of my girlfriends in D.C. was like, hey, have you heard of these $50 weave on Things always come to me in threes. I was like, yeah, so I've seen their signs. I was like, but I don't know anybody who goes to them. You mm. know, the girl who does my closets came over. I used to do her hair, but I don't do hair anymore, so. Yeah. She had a weave. I said, oh, your hair is cute. Who did it? She said, oh, I went to this $50 weave shop. I said, that was $50. She's like, oh, no, this was like 100 and something. Like, they have different. Right. So I was like, oh, that's cute. You let them have it. I'm driving down the street. If you ever have a business address, you never forget that business address, do you? Mm. No. I saw a sign that said 2625 Piedmont Road, Suite 50. I called my assistant. I said, hey, where are you? I said, can you look up um, this salon? I said, I need you to find every address that they have. I said, I'm about to. I said, I'm pulling up. I'm going to come in the cul-de-sac. Just come downstairs. She said, huh? Like, she never worked for me when I was in the beauty business. She'd been my real estate assistant. Mm. She was like, oh, okay. So she got the locations. Each location was like 15 minutes apart. First location. Each location. That they had at the time. So it was a company mm -hmm. who had different salons. But they had moved into my old space Mm because I had closed my salon. Gotcha. I had that salon for 10 years. They moved into my old space. It said, coming soon. And I was like, I thought that, you know. And you saw the address. Like, hold on. That was my. And the reason I didn't pay attention to them is because they were in low rent districts before I'm in real estate. So I knew like the areas they were in. I was like, well, maybe that's the way they're making money. I was like, how Mm. can they be making any money? Because I used to charge $300 for that. So I'm like, Mm. there's no way that they can make money doing this. Again, teachable moment. You can see something in business when you're not in the business. Mm. You have to step away from the business to be able to see things because you think you know it because you do it. You don't know everything. There's more than one way to do anything, mm-hmm. right? So we get to the first location. It's about 1115. They have on like they're on person number 12 on the signing sheet. Mm-hmm. We get to the next location. They're on person number 1415. Wow. We get to the next location. They're on person number 1718. This is a Tuesday. There wasn't a concert. There wasn't a BET. There was nothing going on in Atlanta. Regularly lit. And I had counted almost 50 people. I called my girlfriend that lives in D.C. I said, hey, I said, what did you decide to do about that $50 weed salon? She's like, oh, she's like, ironically, I just got back from the one they have in New Jersey. She's like, I talked to the owner because they had franchised it. She's like, I think I'm just going to do my own concept. She's like, because I went to the one in Detroit last week. She said, and they just don't feel like they get, you know, the proper marketing support. And, you know, she was like, because she owns the salon, too. We both mm-hmm. own salons right, already. Right, right. Before. I said, okay. I said, well, I'm going to book my flight. I'm coming tomorrow. We're going to do a business plan. I said, I'm about to get one of these. I said, girl, I just counted so much money on Tuesday morning. (laughs) Um, So I went there. We did a business plan, and I opened that salon. I found a space and was open in six weeks. Mm. cost me $26,000 to open that first location. $26,000. I made all my money back in six weeks. Give me the concept of the $50 weave. So so a $50 weave is- From the business side. From the business standpoint is- you don't, we don't take appointments. So we are an assembly line. One person braids you, one person stitches you, somebody else cuts and curls you. So you just, it's assembly line so you can get in and out faster. Mm-hmm. And 
the economy was in the tank. Stylists couldn't demand $300 for weaves. If a girl has to choose between, because the $300, remind you now, that's mm-hmm. just to get it done. That doesn't right. include the hair. Right, right. So that's a $600 thing. So right now, like, even though we're in a pandemic, we are insulated. People have been insulated by it because they were able to have a false sense of money because they got, like, unemployment and yeah, things like sure. that. But at the end of the day, come the top of the year, crime is going to be through the roof because that money is going to be gone. They're going to have to do some other stimulus package, but that unemployment piece, because there are companies now that are gone and will not be coming back, and there's no Mm -hmm. job for them. That's like with the housing market. When the market crashed, it's not just the home builder, it's every other person associated with building that house. So on the $50 weave concept, I was able to get stylists that would work on commission. African-American salons, stylists do not like working on commission. They like Mm -hmm. leaving with their money. They just want to pay rent. But if you, in order for you to do that kind of volume, you have to spend a lot of money on marketing and advertising to get the people through the door. Because think about it. They're, they're like, well, it's only $50. Mm. I'll try it. Never in life would you have ever been able to tell me that a black woman will allow you to touch her head and she's never seen your work. Never seen a person's work. Right. They'll just pull up. Like, I, I need something done. I need something. Are y'all taking it? Yeah, we, we'd have lines. Wait, I couldn't believe it. It was the craziest thing ever. So let me ask you. So it's so one girl braids it, one girl sews it in, mm-hmm. one girl cuts it. Mm-hmm. So when we first started, we had a three tier, <clears> but now it's just two. So mm-hmm. now the braider braids it, stitches the braids down, and the stylist stitches the hair in, and then they style them. Gotcha. So, but but back in that that three prong system, mm-hmm. all of them are making ten dollars, ain't it? <laughs> like, but it's the, but. It's a $50 weave salon. That's to get them in. That's a basic sewing. Nobody wants a basic sewing. Right. So what I have right now is called a living legend. And so this would be 150 Oh, so it's like yeah. a funnel. Yeah. So you just, like, you can, you like can get something funnels, like little add-ons. Yeah, yeah, it's an add-on. So if you want curls, mm-hmm. then you get this. But so the $50, only 10% of our clientele gets the $50 weave. Really? Everybody else. Because the $50 is really for the young girl who just mm-hmm. started wearing weave and their mama really ain't trying to spend that money. Right. So they're like, you're going to get this little basic and get on up on right. my face. So, right. um... And what year was this when you this, started? I, I opened the salon. So I've been open. I had my 10-year anniversary. 10 years. So it's been 10 years. Is it still $50 base? Uh-huh. 50 is our starting. So you didn't move like with inflation or nothing? Mm-hmm. No, no, no. 50 is our base. We have other add-ons that they can buy. But mm. 50 is our base. It's a model. But I don't have as many stores anymore. Because from the store, I went on television and filmed a television show that grew the business in a way that I wasn't even prepared for. Mm. Like, I was... I was working all the time. I had 47 employees, six salons. Wow. Like, that is exhausting beyond measure. You're, you're really just a parent to adults. Yeah. And we don't have that kind of HR department. I'm not being bothered with all these emotions. And like, what did you learn from that? I mean, because you, you almost grew too fast. I grew too fast. And I, so what I learned is bigger is not better. You can control your numbers because your top line number is high, but you have so I had six locations, six rents, six utilities, six... Thefts. Slide over a little yeah, bit. Yeah, six thefts. Mm. You know, six managers. <laughs> six, you know, six, six sets of people who, you know, have a family emergency. This was yeah. always a family emergency. Yeah. I'm like, you do realize. Especially like, around Diddy's party. Yeah, it's like, well, you do realize you're not the person they're going to call if there's a family emergency. You're late here all the time. So I'm always like, just come up with a better line. Right. You know what I mean? Family emergency, like, you're not the one they're calling for that. Right. So with Walking Weaves, I got an opportunity to um, film a television show. And because I took every tool that I had from real estate, and I just flipped it. So I grew so fast in walk-in weaves is because I had all these real estate billboards up. 
I just told them to take them down and put hair real estate and put hair boards up. So they thought. So we you had big. billboards for your real estate business. Yeah, uh-huh. and I just had to hey. take them down and put up the hair boards. I was already paying for them. Mm. So we did a photo shoot, and so we were bigger than we were quickly. Like they were like, "Wait, what? Like, huh? Like I had I had all the two eighty five on lock. Every bus stop, you could not be in because marketing. That's my thing. That that type of marketing has all big go big. So. Mm. Brand like McDonald's, brand like Coca-Cola, like put it out there so big because you're not accustomed to seeing a black person on a, from a small business on billboards all over the city. And I went even more gangster. I got buses. So they thought I had all these billboards, but I had 20 buses. So the buses were just, I was just rolling through the city all day. You know day. what you're spending on marketing? Yeah. Oh God, I was spending a hundred thousand a year, but I'm, I mean, made a million. So that was a small marketing budget. With those six salons, you made a million. Oh, way more! But this was like the first three years. So the first, right. the first three salons, we were doing a million plus a year. Mm. Top line number. Remember that I was growing the business fast, and because of the exposure, when they were looking for someone for the television show, my stuff was everywhere. They were like, "Gotta get her." They were like, and I was like, oh, "I don't want to do that." I was like, "No." They're like, what do you mean? What like, show was it? It was Cutting It in the ATL. Cutting It mm-hmm. in the ATL. And it's the yeah. best thing, the single best thing I ever did for my business. Really? Because most people, when they go on there, it's not... Because they don't, go on, they don't go on there with intention. Mm-hmm. I was very intentional. And I have friends that were on TV and have been on TV already. So mm-hmm. I knew the game. Like, I knew what I was willing to do. And you can't produce me. I'm my own character. Yeah. Like, I'm on 10. I wake up. You know, here. <laughs> right, so right. I'm like, here... And around a whole bunch of other people because mm-hmm. I just wait to see what they're going to say. I'm just like, because you don't know. You don't know these right. people. Like, I didn't know any of these women. I met them all on television. Mm-hmm. So doing that for two seasons, that's why I decided, like, everything worked itself out. So I was able to grow my hair business, my online business, in a way that we went from selling $3,000 a month in the store to $3,000 a day online from one episode. Mm. From one episode. Let me ask you. So you're on TV. You have six walk-in weave stores. Mm-hmm. What's happening with real estate? So I'm. I still have my real estate clients, but I don't market real estate anymore. Like all of my clients were still referrals. But you're still, still managing still, the business. I mean, it's a very. It's not a hard business to run. I went. I just moved my license to Keller Williams, so I didn't have to do any work. I negotiated a really great split with them and let mm-hmm. them hold my license, and they do all the work. I just you sell. Did a referral. Yeah. No, yeah. I just sell. I just sell. So you get the person, maybe show them houses, and then give them to Keller Williams. They do all the rest. No, 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 no. I hold my license with Keller Williams. So Keller Williams has to pay me. Like, the check goes to Keller Williams, and then they have to pay me. But it's not a referral. I'm a licensed broker. So I'm an associate broker with Keller Williams. I've been with them now uh, almost three and a half, four years. But I just moved my license with them because it's just a lot less work for me. you're still making real estate money. Oh, my God. It's it's, it's, Still making work. I mean, thank God, you know, but in this economy. But um, this year with the pandemic, I really decided this was the first time I've ever been able to take a beat and take a breath. Like, mm-hmm. going on the road with Eric in 2018, we did 10 cities in 12 months. Yeah. So I was on television and filming and doing speaking engagements. and But from television, every single one of these opportunities came. So it's the intangible that came from sure. it. And then going on the road with him, it was an entrepreneurship conference. And, you know, like, his audience is majority male. Yeah, he never sure. had a female 
on the road with him. Yo, I was having a conversation with CJ and he was he was looking for a while. He's yeah. like, yo, I need a woman that's going to grab the attention. Like, because you, you're on with Eric Thomas. Right, yeah. You feel me? You can't yeah. come. Sli- yo, so yeah. I, was, I was on tour 2017 with mm-hmm. him and I'm on tour with monsters. I'm yeah. talking about E.T., Inky, yeah. Yeah. Jeremy Anderson, Willie Moore Jr. Right. And I'm like, inside, I'm like, I don't I don't belong here. Yeah, right? but you do. But you, you rise you, to the occasion. It's to speak to a different audience. And I'm an alpha sure. female, you know. Mm. And so, you know, I'm not here to coddle you. I'm not here, to, but I'm yeah. just going to speak my truth. And I'm going to tell you my experience as an entrepreneur. For sure. Because I'm an authority because I have to be. I don't have, didn't have room for error to make a lot of mistakes because yeah. most of my businesses were bootstrapped. And so I had to figure out how to grow my business, how to market my business, mm-hmm. how to invest in my business, how to manage employees, how to structure deals, how to negotiate leases. Like I'm a contractor. I'm a, I can build out a space yeah. because I built out salons. Salons are harder to build out than just about any other business besides a restaurant. Mm-hmm. This retail space, I could do this in two weeks mm. with plans and permits. Like I can do it because I'm a hands-on person. When I'm writing the check, I want to know what's going on. I'm going to visit the site. So, you know, I decided last year to start going to Washington because I really felt like this gap between the rich and the poor was not going to be changed by anything but legislation, meaning we don't need you to give us anything, but we do need you to write laws that make sense. So when you have a back-end ratio for a loan, so for the sake of just easy math, so if a person makes $50,000 a year, you divide that by 12, and you multiply that by 0.41. That's their back-end number. All of what your, is a back-end number? Your back-end number is what you get qualified for when you buy your house. So they it's think because... Okay, okay, so, so I, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. You make $50,000 a year, you divide it by 12, because mm-hmm. that's your monthly, that's okay, your monthly. which is four thousand so let's just get it right okay so five oh five thousand a month okay no no forty three okay so you're at forty three something so forty three if you're fifty thousand right I like that divided by twelve yes. multiply that by point four one that's on a conventional loan point four one point four one that's on a conventional loan but why are we doing point four one because that's how they qualify you that point four one is what your new mortgage and all the rest of your bills that are on your credit report can't be more than that. Got it. That's how you qualify for a house. Got it. And that number just doesn't work. If you've got a $500 student loan bill, if you've got a $500 car payment, you'll never be able to buy a house. So the point four and one is too high or too low? It's too low. It's too low. It's too low, but they're saying, oh, if it's more than that, then you know they're outpricing their house. They're paying it in rent. Like, we're going to have to come up with a, it doesn't have to be a stated loan, mm. but there needs to be something that you can make a decision that's based on more than just this. So FHA is a little bit more lenient, but FHA doesn't work for a lot of African-Americans who have degrees with all this student loan debt. We have a student loan epidemic in this country, $1.6 trillion in student loan debt for people who aren't making anywhere near the money. And it's not because of the student loan debt. I mean, it's not the student loan company's fault. They gave you the money. You didn't go get an internship. You didn't right. do what you were supposed to do, to, Or they were living off of their student loans, not using the money for education. And so now we are in a crisis that they can't afford to buy anything. We have people that are, their kids are getting ready to go to school, and they're still paying off their student loans because they deferred them for 10 years. And 
What happens when you defer? They just tacked on all this interest. So it yeah. might have started out at forty or $50,000, but now they have $100,000 in student loan debt. So that's why they're trying to do something. That's why that was a real hot-button topic in that election, because it's the U.S. Department of Education. They can forgive that interest. They can forgive that interest mm-hmm. because it just they've let it spiral out of control. But what's the alternative? We can't not allow some student loans because some people would never be able to go to college. Mm. So we've got to get a handle on that. But with housing, we can't build generational wealth or have anything that allows us to bridge the wage wage gap and the wealth gap if we can't own anything. So it's okay for me to rent. So you're saying it's okay for me to rent an apartment and pay them $2,000 a month, but you can't let me get a mortgage for $1,700 a month because on paper I don't qualify? But these people who are signing off, so when I started going to Washington, I realized they have no idea what they're signing off on. So the wealthy are getting wealthier because they can afford. Their parents give them 20% down. Yeah. Yeah, their parents give them 20% down. And they start out with a 700 credit score. You know, we're coming from, you know, this is a generational thing and it needs to be a homogeneous approach to fix this. And so I said, okay. So if I start going to Washington and I start figuring these things out, but I also found programs that in these rural towns, in these rural areas, that's where the real money is for blacks who own homes and not rent. Atlanta, we are like, we have nothing to complain about. You can go get your house. Now, you might need to stop spending so much money doing other stuff, but you can get your house. (laughs) But if you are in Columbus, if you, they don't have big banks that, you know, they, if they don't go to their bank, they don't know they can get a loan. No, there's, you can get a loan from any place for a home. So putting that information out there for them so they can see, okay, we can build a subdivision. You have a working class blue collar person making $14, $13, $12 an hour. Well, on the USDA program, they will pay a portion of their mortgage. Mm. It's like the biggest corrupt secret in rural development. So I can go build wow. a house in USDA territory, and the person that works at the grocery store can have a $700 mortgage, a brand new house. So that's how mm. I connect it with Mobile Home Elite, because we have I have things that I can match the money to their audience, and everybody can make money. So can I be a part of that? Because you think, saw yeah, my mom. Yeah, can I get in there somewhere? I, can I, I, I do get something? in there somewhere because if it weren't for your thing, I was like, how do we like structure this? Like, you know, do, are you on the board or something for like that? Sure. So, I'm here no, for it. so today I was out with an investment banker today. So mm-hmm. like he didn't understand the mobile home like space, but yeah. he raises capital for people and he was like, Bet I got you. He's like, I got it. Wow. He was like, he was blown away. He couldn't believe it. He couldn't believe it. So mm. we have um, a couple projects that I'd already been working on. So, you know, doing some things with them. Introducing Wondersuite from Bluehost.com, the tool that makes WordPress wonderful for everyone. Website creation is hard, but now with Bluehost, you can answer a few simple questions about your business and goals, and the Wondersuite tools will automatically lay out your WordPress website or store in minutes. Seriously. From there, you can customize your design, pick your brand colors, and add blocks. No custom theme or coding required. You'll get content suggestions that you can keep or revise. And with Yoast SEO built in, we automatically help you get found in search engines. From step-by-step guidance to suggested plugins to an AI-powered help bot, 
Our built-in tools make WordPress wonderful for everyone. Whether you're a beginner or a pro, you can join over 2 million Bluehost users. Go to bluehost.com slash wondersuite. That's bluehost.com slash wondersuite. We'll allow them to happen faster. For sure, for but, sure. Um, you know, I was already working on these things and COVID allowed me the time to be able to do it. So I was able Amazing. to close salons, which was a blessing because yeah. I could get out of leases that, I mean, I've been in the beauty space. I love the beauty space. It's taken care of me my entire life. But from that space, I can have a much bigger impact doing other stuff. And, For sure. you know, so are you done with? Oh, no, no, no. I mean, I, you know, we still have an online hair store. We sell. Right, right. You know, we sell are, well, are you done yeah. with brick and mortar? Um, I'm not doing any more stores. So gotcha. other people can buy the brand. They can license the brand. Mm. But I'm I'm personally not doing any more stores. Gotcha. I don't want employees in that way anymore. I want to make a different impact with women. So. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah. I, I got to get I gotta get into this entrepreneurial because I, I have an audience of people who um, are just starting in business mm -hmm. or they're the it's the it's the uh salon owner yeah. right uh -huh. where you know they're making money but they gotta make the money well right? and they don't see their money so i yeah. was disciplined in that i worked for a girl who said why won't you let them you know why won't you let them come to your house she taught me a habit i went to the bank every day meaning i deposited my money every day because typically before cash app and all these other things you you were in a cash-based business so they spent money every day they're yeah. like you know, being in a hair game is almost like being a dope boy. Oh, yeah. You know, every day you're going to make... off a 20 or nothing. Yeah, it's a yeah. 20 or nothing. You know, I'm, I'll go shopping and then come back because I know I'm about to make some money tonight. Yeah. You know, so I wouldn't go to the mall in the middle of the day. I would go to the bank and then come back and read. I read entrepreneurship books then. So I was constantly educating myself before we had podcasts and all that other stuff on how to make money, how to grow as a business person even though the people around me weren't thinking about any of that. I just mm. drowned out the noise and put in my earplugs and did it. So when people say, I don't have anybody to help me, you don't need a mentor. Once you start moving, your mentors will find you. People love to help young people, especially. Yeah. But if they see you doing something, they will help you. But now the game, you can pay for just about any information 100%. you want and pay it because it shortens your learning curve. Yeah. I will pay anybody anything to get me there faster. 100%. Yeah, but 100%. I just need to know you can do it. Yeah. Like, if you can do it, get me there faster. Like, if you can get me through planning and permitting in two weeks versus two months, and it's a $2,000 premium for that, bet. Where do I send the money? Mm. Because you're slowing down your money by trying to Google it. For you sure. can Google some stuff, but some stuff, you just need to be around a person mm -hmm. to understand the terms, to understand how to have the right conversation. Yeah. I was never intimidated by talking to people in government, and I'm not a government person. I break it down to them on a basic human level. Because I know what I'm talking about. Mm. You don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> right. And I'm going to challenge you on right. that. Because I know this because I deal with the customer. I deal with your constituent. And they're voting with you on something. And they have no idea what they're voting on because you can't explain it properly. If you are, are you going to get into politics? I would never. I would be terrible no. in politics. No, I, have, I don't have a filter. So, yeah. No, no, no. They would. Uh, one you're of my friends says it all the time. News, no, 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 no. I just say I'm a political adjacent. I want to know. Where's the budget? What are you guys? Because you know, it's the budgets that go unspent. And so mm. this year, you know, we will be putting people together with deals, but also with entrepreneurs, showing them in their municipalities how to go get this money that's out there for them at 1%. Okay, show me, show me, show yeah, me, show so, me. So um, invest Atlanta. If you want to open a business in the city of Atlanta, they'll loan you up to $30,000, $50,000. 
at one percent, two percent. Like it's stupid. Invest Atlanta. Invest Atlanta. Uh huh. Invest Atlanta. It's a um, and you have to have been turned down by a regular bank. Well, that's not hard to do. Banks oh, never want right. to. So Simple. they will bet on your new business idea. Really? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I um, it's around the corner. It's a building that I bought around the corner. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in Dunwoody. Um, it's in. Is this Chambly? Or? This is Chambly. So DeKalb in DeKalb County, Chambly is the city. Yes. Right? Okay. Yes. Does that qualify for that? No, that's the city of Chambly. So the city of Chambly probably has money. Every city has money. It comes so from I can the go straight to the city. The, and, and it comes say, from the federal got? government. Right now, DeKalb County, DeKalb County has money. DeKalb County has money right now. They have $10,000 for something. Like it, yeah, I every, think that's where we're going for the, uh, I think fire is in DeKalb that he has to check for. Yeah, so yeah. if it's your city or your county, you can get money from them. So Fulton County has money. Um, city of Atlanta has money. So depending on your, you start at your county. And you have to just keep asking. You have to call. So in Clayton County, Clayton County has economic development authority. If a person wants to open up something like this there, I mean, basically, it's almost free for you to do it. They will loan it because it's an empowerment zone. It's a tier four county or tier one county. So Uh. every county. So I spent my time finding out how do I go use the government's money? And it almost you're almost like an investment banker, but you're using their money because the money they have to spend the money or they have to send it back. Uh So use their money. You're like, I don't want to loan. Are these grants or loans? They're loans. Right. They're but, loans. But, but 1%. Yeah, 1%, 2%. If it's 5%. Right. You can, you're set up to be in business now, and you're not a, your back isn't against the wall. You can actually not bootleg your business. How do you get like 150 though? Like you can. They have a, SBA, you can get a million. Yeah. Oh, I, thought, I, I thought yeah. it was like the 30, 50, like you were saying. That was just yeah. an example. Yeah, so, every, so most people are afraid of the SBA. It is not because it's difficult. It's because they don't want to do all the paperwork. So, like, I've just learned the system now. So I just teach people how to stack your file. Yeah. Like, you got to set your business up right. Quit trying to bootleg it. Like, mm-hmm. if you bootleg it, you won't be able to get any money. So half the clients that didn't get, people that get, didn't get money for PPP and EIDL is because they weren't set up right on paper. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. For if sure. you had your EIN in your bank account, you could have got 100 like that. Yeah. They've mm. never given so much money away to right. businesses. So if you didn't get money for your business, I for sure got that go around, Somebody. you'll never get money. Like you'll never see the government be that free with money again, mm. ever. The same way we won't see stated loans again. Like there's a season for everything. And yeah. so with this, all of these banks, they have an initiative and we're going to hold them to the carpet. So Bank of America has an initiative. Chase has a billion dollar initiative. So you go to LinkedIn and you find out who's over that department. What are their initiatives? Their initiative. They made a billion dollar commitment to black businesses. Let's go. Yes. And they're going to have watchdogs making sure these black girls don't play. Like mm. you said, they got the owner essence out of his own business. Like. Try mm. it. Don't try the black girl right now. She's not playing. No <laughs> game. <laughs> you know, you can't give us a little right. bit of room. We're going to take it. But they're wow. wrangling it in. Chase has some great initiatives. All of the big banks are really doing it. But, I mean, I'm looking at some stuff with Greenwood. Look at what they're doing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's a black digital. It's a tech bank. But they want to do business with black people. And mm. if you give them the idea, because um, one of the owners. You know, it's so crazy because even at PVP, I think they're like. They're writing off everything under 50000 Under 50. They don't have time for the paperwork. Just, <laughs> just, just okay. Yeah, it's, that's, that's, that lets you know how little money that is. Though. Yeah. How yeah. little money that is mm-hmm. for them. How yep. little money that is for them. So the real gotcha gotcha is we do things like this. We have the conversation, but we execute. 
So affordable housing is my initiative. It has been for all of 2019. That was what I said. So when the market closed, meaning businesses closed, it gave me the time to really do a deeper dive and say, how do I do this and become the face of rural development and affordable housing in a different way? Not as an agent, but as a developer, bringing people to, because as a developer, you just basically put the deal together. I've yeah. been doing it already, so why not do it in a, in a bigger way and make a bigger impact So and bring more people in? Because there are no more houses for investors. Like, you know, Atlanta is not built on a grid, right. so we don't have fifty, sixty thousand $60,000 houses. Like, for you to get a rental property, you're going to be spending close to $200,000. You can't make any money off of that. I can charge the same off of a mobile home rent as I can an apartment. Where's the closest park? Oh, God, you got one on Chattahoochee in the city of Atlanta. But most of yours will be in rural areas. They're not going to be in the city because they typically don't allow them to be built. But you got some land over there? Yeah, they're they're hidden in plain sight. Do you got some land over there? Not in the city of Atlanta, but we have, that's where I was today. I was in Stockbridge, so we will identify 25 lots in Stockbridge. Um, we have a new affordable home development um, townhome community that will be coming in that there's $40,000 in down payment assistance grants. For that. Wow. Yeah, so there's no reason for a person not to be able to own a home. So it's an exciting time. Have you talked to Terika? I have not talked to her in forever. Tell her I asked about her. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah, I I definitely got to connect y'all. Tell her I asked about her. I haven't talked to her forever. She's a beast. Yeah, yeah, she's always been. Yeah. All right, so, okay. Okay, okay, so uh, that joint messed me up because I'm I'm like now thinking about the money. Like, I need to go get some of this money. You got to get it. It's there. So how can you break some people out of the um, the small mindset? Because my, my my idea when I first started was I'm going to sell 25 t-shirts. If mm-hmm. I can make $100,000, I'm yeah. rich. Yeah, you think 100 is a lot until you see. Until you make 100 Until you make 100 And you're and like, like, that's it? <laughs> you're like, hold on. Where, where is this number <laughs> right. It looks so much cooler on Instagram. Yeah, it's so, so much cooler. So for somebody who is um, kind of... They, they're not dreaming big enough. Exactly. Right? Yeah. Go bigger. What would you say to that person? Start dreaming bigger. Like, uh, I watched this um, Steve Harvey clip about two weeks ago, and um, he said, write down 300 things. He said, and when you get to 75, it's going to be difficult because you don't even, you have to be so specific about what you want, meaning... I want a lake house. I want a boat at my lake house. I want a house in the Caribbean. I want you. I want my furniture to look like this. I want this type of car. I want these types of events that I go to. These are the spaces. These are the people. Everybody I've ever wanted to meet is a one degree of separation. I can get to them very quickly because of the things I did in my 20s. Mm-hmm. In my 20s. Because people respected my hustle and my work ethic. And then when I started moving in different spaces, it wasn't questioned because I was a business person. It wasn't like, she doing this now? You're only doing too much for people who don't do enough. And don't ever let people tell you, you're in too many, you're doing too many things. Well, sometimes you got to figure out which one is the best. I have a whole printing company that does six figures. We print journals and design them for brands. And I don't have a print machine. Mm. I just know how to do it. I'm not an artist. I just know how to put it together. And I have a design team that does these and we grow brands. Um, I don't know if you used to follow Six Figure Chick before she yeah, passed. Sure. That's one of my most successful clients. She did almost a million dollars in the products that we created for her. That we wow. created for her. Digital downloads. Not the physical. The digital downloads. So that stuff, she teaches people how to 
just hold themselves accountable. So in every space that you work in, the you know, what I always tell young people, and not just young people, because, I mean, it's anybody who wants to be an entrepreneur, whatever you're dreaming, dream bigger. Mm-hmm. Get yourself a bill. Get yourself a bill. Your bill will get you up to work when you don't feel like it. Get yourself a bill. What a mean? bill, meaning um, when I was 24 and a half, I owned the salon, and this lady came over. She was 40. So, you know, when you're 25, someone 40 just seems like like a whole adult. You know, mm-hmm. right. like she was like such an adult, and For she sure. had just signed a million-dollar deal with um, AT&T as a consultant. And they bought the building right across the street from me, black lady, super duper sweet. She had uh, S500. And she was like, you know, she was like, she was like, you just, she was like, girl, you are so, you are getting it. And I was like, oh, thank you so much. She said, you know what you need to do? I said, what? She said, you need to go get your bands. I said, she said, go get you a Benz. She said, all these chairs will be full. She's like, and you'll Go take, get you a Benz. Go get you a Benz. And I said, she said, and she said to me, she said, there's other 24-year-olds who have a salon. She said, not a lot in Buckhead. She said, but I don't know any 24-year-old with a salon driving a Benz. She said, everybody will know who you are. I went and got that Benz in two weeks. My salon, I had to expand it. That's how busy I got. Because people like to be associated with what they see to be success. And I went from a $300 car payment to an $800 car payment. That was like, oh, my God. But I was making so much money, it paid for itself. It was my advertising without having any advertising on it at all. So a bills make you work. So when people are like, oh, I'm saving my money, I'm like, how much money did you save? And I'm looking, I'm like, you saved $2,000? But you're saving your money. No, you're not. You're not even investing in your business. So at least make sure you're investing to make sure that your credit is good so you can put yourself in a position so when there is a $5,000 conference that you know somebody went to before and when they left, they felt like they can go walk on water, go do that. Spend your $5,000 there because you're going to be in the room with people who are going to make you see that this little stuff you're talking about, that little $100,000 is no money. Like the conversations I'm in on the cost, they're 10 million. They, okay, we're going to raise $10 million. They got, there's this company right now, they got to spend $60 million a month or they got to get the money, get the money back. They can't find enough stuff. So they're going to be overpaying for property. Like, those are good problems to be around because guess what? You will find a solution for them. Mm. Be in the business of solutions. So for entrepreneurs, I tell them, if your goal is to make $60,000, $80,000 a year, just go get a job. It's a lot less stress. Big facts. Yeah, so you, make a big, you make 60 easy, easy. on a and job. And then just don't get out of the way. Like yeah. quit wasting everybody's time. Quit saying, you know, you want to be a boss. No, you don't. Mm. Because bosses don't work nine to five. Like I work a lot when I don't want to. But when I don't feel like doing stuff, I have some reserve in the tank that I don't have to do it. But it is a lot of stress. It is not. It's so many moving parts. I'm HR. I'm marketing. I'm emotional support person you know Mm. it's all of these things and some of them don't have a return on investment that day so if you don't have a website that people can go to to buy things from you that don't physically require you to do something or people can't find you why is your page private who are you hiding from money right like who are you hiding from so that's real talk it's like i mean when you're saying oh they're closing all these long houses i'm like how we don't even have enough inventory for that Mm. There's no way. Like, quit looking at other people. Just mind your business. If you mind your business, stay focused on you and trying to learn from the people that you respect. Do that. Quit watching what they're doing because you cannot grow what you're trying to do looking at them. Mm. You can't. 
Like social media is a great outlet. It can be inspiring, but it has whole adults trying to achieve something that doesn't exist. This is not real. I was on a reality show. They only showed 10% of my life. This is not real. I know these people. This is not real. (laughs) So, you know, for me, I'm just of a different generation. I've just been able to see the ups, the downs. I know what a million, I know what this looks like, but I also know what it looks like to lose it. I know what it looks like to have to rebuild it. I know what it looks like to have to walk away from a deal because every deal is not the deal for you. And I know what it's like to trust your own judgment. Mm. Like, and that's the biggest thing. Most of the people can't think bigger because they really don't trust their own judgment. They need approval from somebody. Wow. And that's the problem. All right. So I'm, I'm stuck on to get a Benz and here's why. Yeah. I'm, I'm around my friends and um, all of them have like really nice watches. So mm-hmm. I'm at my friend, him 500, you know him 500? Marcus know. Barney. No, no. It's just a beautiful house. Mm-hmm. And, um, we were at his house and my friend, uh, Nehemiah Davis, he has this Rolex. And I'm like, oh, it's a nice watch. He said, yeah, it was uh, about 12000 Um, I got me and my wife one. Mm-hmm. He's like, yo, you should get one. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I, I don't really do jewelry. I got, you know, my little Apple watch. Right. And then um, Marcus comes around. He's like, yeah, I got one from the same boy, the guy he bought one from. Mm-hmm. So he goes to get it and he shows me. I'm like, now, that's a nice watch. My mm-hmm. friend Alex comes around the table and he's got this watch. I was like, what'd that cost you? He said, well, I think he said like 60000 or something like that. It was crazy. Yeah. And then- um, Was he a rapper? No. Oh, okay. <laughs> Alex, Alex, good energy. Oh, I love Alex. So, but Alex is, Alex is getting to that bag. Get but that you know, bag. Alex is from the, he came from the club world. So that's- Right. That's, I mean, again, it's a different world you come from. Yeah. And- Alex is a young single guy, and Alex is Killing probably it. doing eighty thousand dollars a month on those car- courses. So, At yeah, least. that's 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 great right. money for Alex. But, but so my boy, um, uh, Mister Two Weeks Out, he has one. His like all gold, mm-hmm. and like everybody has these really nice watches. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, dang, do I need one? And I'm going through it in my do head. You ever need anything? You don't need it. You, you don't need, need it. it. Yeah, but. In my head, I'm like, all right, I'm just, I'm just going to go get one. And I saw one, it's about 15000 And I'm trying to justify, especially coming from the mobile home elite, yeah. like, you interview. Go, you can go get you a whole house for 15000 15, Right, but then you just said, go get you a Benz. Go get you a And Benz. I'm like, yeah. will that watch make me money? Okay. Yeah, well, it will. So let me tell you why. So oh, I was looking for justification. Well, I'm not going to justify it either way because there are some people who don't need to spend right. any money on anything. They right. need to get their affairs in order. Mm-hmm. You don't go get a $15,000 watch if you can't afford a $15,000 watch. Facts, yeah. But if I can go get me a $15,000 watch, I can also spend the 15000 on the mobile home too because the mobile home is going to bring you money. That's going to be an investment that's going to be on your schedule. Gotcha. E, and that's going to allow you to get the money back. And you can get them both. Yeah. You can yeah, get them both. Yeah, you'll get them both. You can get them both, get them both. But I will tell you like, you know, very, very early on, like association is people, they size you up like quickly and people see like a person telling me like I was an agent, you know, when I started, I had a Benz. So nobody ever questioned my commission because they already thought I was making money. They didn't realize I was making money from my other business. I hadn't sold one house yet. But nobody was going to question me on my commission because there's a premium that you pay for that. That's just like dating a woman who has good taste. Like, we're expensive by nature. So 
So if you date a woman that goes to Applebee's, you don't have to work as hard. But you know you can't date me if you're the trash man because I cost too much. Like, right. that's what it is. And I look like I cost too much. Yeah, I want, I don't, yeah, that intimidates. Sure. If I intimidate them good, that means that they're not on my level anyway. Like, I don't want a man like that. I want someone who like, oh, I'm about to go get that. Because if, mm, if mm-hmm, you mm-hmm. got that, then I know you can go get something else. And that's how women are attracted. Women are attracted to success. Men are attracted to what something looks like. Women are attracted to what they, what somebody deems, and other people who do business with you. If you're walking around with dirty sneakers on and, you know, working on your construction site, but you ain't hit one brick that day or hit a nail, they're like, what are you doing? Like, you know, like, right. what are you doing, really? Like, what are you saving it for? Like, I'm here to enjoy my life. I'm going to have nice things, but I will tell you that... Somebody will size you up and they'll give you money because they feel like you can be trusted with their money because they're like, well, they got some money. Because you look like money. You don't look like you got it. I'm not giving you no money. No, I'm not about to give you my money and you got a swatch watch. Like, no. Tuck my little. No, but you got whatever. Like, you know, that's. But I have a girlfriend who got, oh, she's got more expensive jewelry than me, but she wears her Apple Watch most of the time. But, you know, I come from the beauty business. So, you know, we diamonds. We got to be iced out. Like, what? (laughs) You know, but that's just our thing. But now I tell anybody, dream bigger. Have something to aspire to. Mm -hmm. You know, don't any person who moves here, and this no shade to any area, but move to the most expensive neighborhood you can afford to live in when you move to a city. Because you're going to choose your friend group. Mm -hmm. If you move here and move to in your aunt's basement, you know, that lives in Clayton County, you know, 12 miles off the exit, you're really not going to get in the city that much to really get it going. And you're Mm -hmm. not going to meet the kind of people that you can move and shake with. The people, the person I was with today, I've known them for over 20 years. And I can call him at any time and he will go get that bag for me. Like, Mm -hmm. because he's like, if Maya's looking at it, it, I'm going to take the call. And this has been forever. The person I'm doing the development with that's an affordable home community we've never done a deal together but they know that if it's a home at that price point they know i can sell it on my social Mm. that's it because i know how to get that person to the closing table i have enough of a reach that's my audience i know that client i know what they need i know how to get them to the table and i know how to manage expectations so no, I think for young people or anybody who's looking to be in business, if you if $100,000 is your goal, then just go get you a really good degree and then go get you a corporate job because it's just not worth the headache. Dream bigger than that. You know, that it needs to be much bigger than that because all you're doing is taking money from people who really out here to try to get a real check. So it's, it's better that way. That's the way wow. I look at it. Okay, I got, I got a couple more questions. Uh-huh. One, 2021 is upon us. Yeah. What do you see from a real estate perspective? Mm-hmm. If you had a, a crystal ball, if mm-hmm. you were going to like create that, what do you see happening in the real estate space in 2021 mm-hmm. and also in the entrepreneurship space? Um, the entrepreneurship space, we're going to see a lot of people go get a job because they realize they, they ain't really cool don't. no more. Well, not just it's not cool that they've, they've had their truth serum, that they can't make it. <laughs> like this is a pandemic. This is like yeah. having the Great Recession. Like you're going to see the people... People are making a crap ton of money right now. They were able to pivot. I sell real estate, but I can pivot in real estate 14 different ways and make money. Most people can't think outside, oh, I can't sell a house. There's no inventory. We have very little inventory. Well, guess what? I'm just going to go start finding lots. And now I know that we need a solution. 
So in the entrepreneurial space, I think we're going to see people really realize that that's just not what they need to do. And I think mm. that needed to be recognized. Yeah. There's a lot of people out here wasting their time and they're not going to have any money for retirement when they're in their 60s. We're going to have a bunch of old people who need to be taken care of. So for that, you know, it's trying for people to be honest with themselves. It's not for everybody. Yeah. You have to have a stomach for, sure. for this. You for have sure. to have a stomach for this space. And in the real estate space, we're going to see um, a lot of challenges in the commercial market. But mm. in the residential side, we expect an 18% increase in prices just because of demand and supply in 2021. After this vaccine is out and people start feeling more comfortable, um, you're going to see an increase in price point because of demand and rates. They're not expecting to raise rates until 2022. You don't uh, see a dr- uh, like a, a foreclosure? No, not like that. No. And if they do foreclose, they're going to be off the market in a day because they're not going to drop prices like they did in 08. Mm. They, they they got their hands slapped for that because if that's the case, you could have let those people keep their house. Right. You could have worked with them. So they're going to be at market rates. Mm. So you're not, you know, it. It's going to be sad for some people to lose their homes, but it'll be some buyers will be able to now buy that couldn't have before for because sure. there hasn't been enough inventory and new construction costs a lot more to build now. Mm-hmm. I mean, lumber prices went up like double. So that money has to be passed along somewhere. It costs too much. So that's why these mobile homes are such sweet deals because mm-hmm. we can get a person a whole house for under $50,000, yeah. like totally rehabbed, showroom ready, right. and put it on a private lot. And now a person is cash flowing $500 a month right. versus paying the bank and making $110 a month. Right, and if, right. you know, they have a hot water heater go out, they've lost all their money, yeah. you know? They're starting over again. So these mobile home deals that we're putting together are going to be super duper special because it's going to allow African-Americans to get in this little secret society. Mm. 25% of Americans live in mobile homes. Warren, Warren Buffett owns, I want to say three, the largest, and one of the biggest yeah. players in the commercial real estate space now has liquidated all his commercial, and he has, he's got 150-something parks right now. Wow. So getting that check. And I can be on the board, right? Byron. <laughs> She said I could be on the board. She said I could be a part of this, okay? We're going to work through it. It's, a, it's enough out there for us, so I, I think we're going to be good. I I, we're going to all be good. But I think um, the biggest takeaway for me with this pandemic was um, we we needed to take the time to take the time to kind of adjust because things were like this yeah. for a long, long time, sure. and they had to almost recalibrate. Mm-hmm. And um, from a humanity standpoint, I'm glad the election is over because then we can just – just move on and everybody yeah. can start getting, they can't blame a person for what's going on. For now sure. we have to take responsibility for ourselves because at the end of the day, I've never depended on the government to get me out of anything. Yeah. You know, we are a people who have survived slavery, mm-hmm. you know, so Jim Crow, all yeah. of these things. And so yeah. our forefathers could go through all of this, but y'all can't handle this little pandemic. Mm. You can't handle this little pandemic. Mm. You can't sit down for a second. Chill out. Like, yeah. like calm down. Like, You're get yourself right. together. So you will be okay. Like, we've been through far worse. Right. <laughs> like, <laughs> far sure. worse. They were hanging, y'all. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, we're hanging, y'all. So in the real estate space, I think we're going to see, um, you know, African-Americans, they're, the information is, for me, the most important. So I think we're doing a much better job of getting information out there, mm-hmm. not just giving people cliff notes. And for those who yeah. want to take advantage of it, it's going to be their time. This will be their season. 
I love it. This will be their season. I love it. Oh my gosh. All right, cool. I I um one, thank you. Thanks for having me. This was an amazing, rich this episode was so rich. Well, I'm glad you I'm glad we connected. I'm glad we were able to do it. I'm absolutely, super duper. Absolutely. Super duper so um I, I as as we come to a close, I'm gonna do a quick um I'm gonna do a quick uh, commercial, real quick. Okay. okay. Then I'm gonna let you close this out, but I'm gonna ask you my question that I ask everybody at the end. So just wait on it, okay? Okay. 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 So uh, this episode is sponsored, as always, by The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com. It is the only, the only community that gathers entrepreneurs every single day, Monday through Friday. 8 a.m. to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time to help you start, grow, and build your community as an entrepreneur, okay? Every month, we have a different theme, and then every day of the week, we have a topic that supports that theme that we teach on every day. There are over 300 entrepreneurs that gather on the call um, from across the country, so you want to be a part of The Morning Meetup, themorningmeetup.com. Make sure you tune in, okay? So, Maya, um, again, thank you so much. Thank you. And um, I got to ask you my, 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 my closing question. Okay. Where do you see yourself um, in the next five to 10 years? Mm-hmm. Because I want to be able to watch this video five to 10 years from now and say, Maya said she was going to do that. Look. Uh, I want to be the face of affordable homes, but mm. in not the way that people think. They usually think of urban areas. Yeah. I'm from a small town, and I know those are the places where people are forgotten. Yeah. They don't have a lot of hope because they don't see people like us being successful. And I think when people have ownership, they have a different pride in what they have and they're not going to throw it away. They're not going to put trash everywhere. They're going to, they're going to take some pride in their community and you see communities grow that way. So I want to be the face of affordable homes and rural areas and then teaching other people how to be an authority in that space. Like you don't have to know how to dig a ditch and put in the well to be a developer. You just have to understand the process. So that's where I see myself. I just want you to know that you are brilliant. Oh, well. Really, you are. <laughs> From you your are, mouth to God's ears. <laughs> you are absolutely brilliant. So please let them know how they can find you and then close us out with a uh, a word for the entrepreneur that's out there that wants to, they want a better life for themselves. Okay, so tell uh, tell people how to connect with you, okay. how they can link up with you, then I'll close us out. Okay, so uh, my name is Maya Sly. It's Maya with a J, M-A-J-A. S-L-Y, so they can reach me at MayaSly.com. That's my website if they want to book a coaching call or a consultation and do a business breakdown to really do a deep dive in their business. Like, I have people that explode their business and people who close their businesses after we do this. And that was the gift that I learned from being on the road with Eric is that is my gift zone is I can look at the numbers and I can tell you where your problems are. I always say, if you tell me the numbers, you show me the numbers, I'll tell you the truth. Because I'm not attached to your business. All I have to see is the numbers. I can tell you who's stealing. I can tell you when you're not working. I can tell you what's happening at this location because the numbers will tell the story. Based on your traffic, that will tell you that. So they can find me at MayaSly.com. And what I will leave the audience with is whatever you're dreaming, dream way bigger. Like when I say way bigger, way bigger because most of the things that I wanted to accomplish, I did that so many years ago. The only thing I wish I would have known was to dream bigger because Mm. there was nothing that I've ever wanted to do that I haven't been able to do. I just Mm. didn't even know it was a possibility. And I think now with social, you see it, but they think that everybody's on the PJ every week and it's like, well, actually they're not. Do you ever see them in the air? It's it's staged, but okay. (laughs) But that's not the most important thing. I think it's aspirational and aspirational in some sense. So aspire to be 
the best version of you and the life that you see for yourself. Not what somebody else has, but what you see for yourself. Because I always tell them, y'all don't want this smoke. I have to deal with every day. Like, you don't want the 50 fires that come with the 50 different types of phone calls and the coats, which I have to get. I got to go from, now listen, and to, hi, this is Maya. You know, (laughs) I got to go from Shirley to Maya to Bay County, Maya, a whole lot during the day. So whatever you're dreaming, you better start dreaming bigger. If not, go get a job. Ah, can't close it out no better than that. Make sure you go follow Maya Slide, man. Uh, I just want to continue to uh, grow our relationship because you are just a wealth of knowledge. And um, anything I can do, please let me know. You've already done support. it. You were a vessel. Didn't mm, even know it. So man. it actually worked out. Y'all, so listen, it. I need y'all in her DMs yeah. just saying thank you, okay? Don't uh, even look for a reply. Just say thank <laughs> I, you. You know I reply to my DMs. You know, I'll be in there like, oh, everything's okay. Right. <laughs> you know, go read this. Right, I think this right. might help you. But I want you to follow up with me after you listen to it on listen to outliers don't read it listen to it when Mm. you're in your car and you're going to be like you're going to set it up for your new baby to be in a whole different way you're like oh this is how we need to do it it. i'm on it i'm all over thank you so much thank you the pleasure was all mine absolutely listen go get you some social proof okay (laughs) go build something then i'm going to ask you to go teach somebody how you did it okay all right we will holler at y'all peace